Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Records, where albums are exchanged to be dismantled, compared, and studied. We are your hosts, Emily and Jen. Welcome to today's episode, where we are talking about Death Cab for Cutie's fourth and iconic record, Transatlanticism, and Switchfoot's Dark Horse, fifth release, Nothing Is Sound. So... (laughs) Yeah. I'm super interested. I, I can't wait to hear what you thought about both albums and what comparisons you have, because I really struggled with that. So I, I can't, you should start with that. I want to, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I pulled a lot. Um, okay. I'm going to preface it this way. I pulled a lot of information that was kind of crossover ish, but okay. then I have general things to say about each album. Okay. Um, because they're both, um, they're both like very heavy hitters in terms of Nothing Is Sound was a, a huge heavy hitter for me. Like I remember getting that album when it came out um, 15 years ago and um, growing up with you, even though I wasn't as fami- familiar with transatlanticism as I am now, I was extremely like immersed in the Death Cab world because of you. Um, and there's a lot on that album that I was more familiar with than I thought too, which I thought was mm. kind of cool. Yeah. First off, I want to say that both albums have such profound writing. Mm. Like I really sat back and just couldn't help but appreciate how deep and just like thoughtful and well-written and powerful um, emotionally um, statement wise, really like a good well-roundedness of, um, of human, whether it's like interacting with each other in society or what we each feel like individually. Mm. Um, so that made me think how old were these bands when they wrote these albums? Yeah. So I didn't want to look up everyone's age. I kind of just was like, gonna get an average from the singers um Mm -hmm. so the funny part is john foreman from switchfoot and ben gibbard from um death cat for cutie they're both 44 years old they're the same age like a month apart wow so the albums (laughs) did come out different years so it kind of skews my um excuse my exact perception of what i was going for for these two albums but i think in general it's fair to say both bands continued their profound writing beyond these albums. Like that's mm-hmm. that's something that stuck with both groups. But when Nothing Was Sound was released, John Foreman was 29. So that means he was anywhere from 26 to 28 when they were writing and recording this album, if not younger, because you know, you hold on to these songs for a while. Right. And then Ben Gibbard was 26 when they released this album. <laughs> Which is just really crazy for both artists. We'll talk about, you know, just heavy themes in Nothing Is Sound, like definitely politics, like for sure. Mm-hmm. And as a young 20-year-old or mid-20s to late-20s, like I relate to that so much because I really didn't start thinking heavily about society and the world and politics until I was probably 23 around 23 
I mean, I definitely thought about it before, but I didn't really realize like the weight of it until later on in life. And then I think there's just so many realizations that you make as a, as a 20 or 20 to 30 year old about life and experiences and love and politics and life and death and like God and spirituality. There's so much self reflection and, and just understanding that goes on during that time that it's, it's really cool that you, that you said that guy, I wasn't even thinking about how old these people were when they were writing these things. Like, so that's cool. Cause all I could think was, where did this come from? Because both parties are still active um, and making music. And I know that these two people and these two bands, like I know them as like older than us now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, of course they're profound. And of course, you know, they, have such a like a storied and well-formed view on the world because you know they've been around for so long that they've got to be in their you know mid-40s so to sit back and think about like wait a second these albums were released 15 years ago and 17 years ago and then backtrack and remember that the men that we're seeing now are not the same men that wrote these albums Mm. but then realize that that sense of like just high profoundness was by two people in their like mid to late twenties, mm-hmm. just like us. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. That's cool. That's a very, very cool thing to have realized. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Cool. What to you was the biggest similarity between these two albums? I want to say like off the bat, awareness of who you are and your place mm-hmm. in the world yeah what did you pick for that I didn't <laughs> All right. I had I had I and we'll get into it I mm-hmm. had a really hard time with nothing is sound I I respect it it's so it's funny I'm like getting through it it took me a couple of tries to listen through all of it okay and I um was familiar with songs by Switchfoot. Like I knew stars. I knew, I know Dare You to Move. I knew Meant to Live. Um, I, I had, but had never explored anything other than what was on the radio or whatever. And I don't know, like I just found it so hard to connect to. So I kind of had a uh, a really interesting experience with this album because it was it was like I couldn't get past like as a listener to really immerse myself in like the ideas of the album or like the purpose behind things so mm-hmm. I'm that's why I'm gonna lean on you <laughs> heavily for that because I appreciate what they did here there's no doubt about it and I think the whole purpose of of doing this of deconstructing an album gives you that appreciation for the artist for the band for the album I definitely have that is this an album that I would ever refer back to and listen on a drive anywhere absolutely not (laughs) not all art goes into regular rotation for everyone and not all art is for everyone Mm -hmm. like let's be very honest here this is I want to say arguably the most um well-known mainstream Christian artist. Yeah. Like 
no doubt about it, when you say switch foot to anyone, you are thinking, yep, they make music about God. Right. And I have known this about myself for a while. <laughs> I don't really know why, but I, I go with it. I, as someone who was like raised um, very openly, we went to church on holidays, but like not even, I don't know. I think we did it because my parents came from a place or my mom came from a place of like, this is what we did. Like, cause she grew up Catholic. Um, you know, at least if we go to church on Christmas, I don't know, it's just like something to do. Like, um, but we've always been like far more spiritual. Like we're the kind of people that um, believe in spirits and <laughs> like whenever it thundered and lightninged outside, I grew up like hearing like, oh, don't be scared. Like the angels are playing bowling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not even in like a, and now go create a God way. Like it was just like a very spiritual way. Like our, our loved ones um, like watched over us, like that kind of thing. So uh, based on that, for some weird reason, I've always had this huge draw to Christian rock music. <laughs> so funny I don't know because any any anyone who didn't know you like would not look at you and think that you would never think that I'm a fan of the almost I'm a really big Reliant K fan I've been a big Switchfoot fan I'm a big Under Oath fan they're not religious anymore but oh my god they used to like talk about the importance of finding Jesus at their shows and I respected it because they did it in a way where they got on stage and they were like, I just want to take a minute to really just like map out where I came from and that, you know, religion really helped me. And it's there for you if you need that help. Like they extended it to the crowd. A lot of people didn't like it. I didn't mind it. It wasn't like you're going to hell if you don't believe what we believe. Um, mm. But a lot of these bands have blatant lyrics um, that reference Lord, Savior, um, literal calls to God. Like, eh. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It doesn't bother me and it doesn't, I don't listen to those things and feel pushed out. Yeah. Cool. So I knew, I knew that Switchfoot was a Christian rock band and I had always found it interesting that you loved them so much. Not that, not that they didn't deserve that. It's just for that reason was funny. Um, but you know, in listening to it, one thing that I definitely appreciate is, you know, to me, and we're getting a little deep here, like God means a lot more than just what it is in the, in the Bible. And I'm reading this really great book right now where, you know, it's, he's, there's a, a Buddhist in the book. It's like talking about you know, finding the, the way to get through the tough things in life. And he's referring to things as God, which is really interesting because a Buddhist normally wouldn't do that. But um, you can reference God as, as so many things. And it doesn't need to be the exact definition of what, what it is in the Bible. So what I really enjoyed about this album is obviously like God is a theme in this album, but it's so relatable because you're talking about things that everyday people struggle with. And a lot of it in this album is super heavy stuff. Like 
it's being at the bottom at the at your lowest low and being like god someone fucking save me <laughs> and like turning to the light in the, in the darkest parts of your life and and that's so relatable on so many levels whether you believe in god or not everybody is searching for something to pull them out and this album really does that in a way that is like even if you don't believe in this you can still listen to the song and say, I've been there or I am there or relate to it. Yep. Yep. I agree. It's, and it's just funny to see it coming from people that are very open about their um, devotion to, to being a Christian individual. Mm. Like it's, it's kind of wild that they extend this open invitation for people to connect and interpret with their like writing, however they need to. Yeah. What I thought was really cool too is when you think of Christianity, I immediately like, I'm like, oh, everything's happy all the time. There's no darkness. It's always sunshine, never rain. And this album's like, fuck that. Actually, it's life's pretty terrible. (laughs) This is their darkest album. It's super dark. Yeah. I was like, well, I maybe that was part of what was hard for me to get through it. I was like, oh my God, this is like so sad. The fact that we're talking about this album um, on November 4th, the day after um, voting is closed in the United States mm-hmm. for a huge election. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this album is like on the nose. Yeah, it really is. In an uncomfortable way. So I- yes. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I've had 15 years to get comfortable with it for, for some reason. So. Yeah. That, well, that just makes me think, okay, I'm revoking my original statement of, is this an album I would just randomly throw on? Probably not. I, I think I'm going to hold myself. I'm just going to hold myself accountable and revisit this album, perhaps during a time where... <laughs> doesn't feel like the world is falling apart um but yeah your perception if I told you that I truly only like pull this album out once every couple years if that like Mm. one like I I kind of get into it for a couple weeks and then um it not that I forget about it but it fades way back in my rotation this is not an album that I pull out every summer, not at all. For some reason, it's just an album that I end up leaning on when I feel very emotionally charged. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that, you know, every album that you listen to is in your rotation, you know, once every season or once every week, month, whatever. It There are some albums and this obviously is one for you that just hit a place inside of you and it sticks with you for the rest of your life. So that's yeah. cool. That's really cool. But I guess to transition over to Death Cab, mm. what I understand, that is an album that pops up in seasonal rotation for you on a regular yes. basis. Yes. Yeah. I So this album as a whole, I always revisit this album in the fall. There's one song in particular that I always revisit in the summer, which okay. is Passenger Seat. Um, but yeah, I don't, I always just think of like leaves crunching and like that, like sunsetty vibe. I, that's what I visualize when I, when I hear this album. 
yeah, for me, this is a very heavily like visual album. Like I listen to each song and I kind of just visualize things as I'm listening to it. Um, but yeah, I revisit this every year. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. This is a masterpiece and other people in my life, even some people that I was not expecting. So I'm going to blow up their spot. When I told um, Michael Mirabella and Esteban from um, my (laughs) friends in Jack Romanov um, that we were doing this album because they were like, what are you guys doing next? Um, I said, you picked transatlanticism and they both were like right up against their computer screens on Zoom. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like that album's so good. Like, and then proceeded to just totally fall into a moment of um, like visual nostalgia between the two Mm. of them. And they talked about how when they would go on tour, that was an album that was like regularly playing in Mike's van. That's so funny. So it's, it's exciting to a lot of people. I think this is a, a hugely important album yeah. in general. Yeah, it's cool to hear, you know, and there's so many people, if you, you know, I've always said, okay, like my favorite band is definitely Death Cab for Cutie. And every time people ask, you know, what's your favorite band? And you say that everyone always says something like, oh man, like transatlanticism, it like gets me right in the feels, you know, and it, it just has like a resonance for everyone, which is really cool. So Yeah, it is, it is definitely a link <laughs> between mm-hmm. all of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Um, I did want to just mention, so coming into transatlanticism for me was really interesting because Death Cab for Cutie has always felt like home to me because it's such a big part of you. Mm. So I can be anywhere. And as soon as I hear Ben Gibbard's voice, there is like a visceral calm that comes over me. And I've loved that. I think that is so cool. It's a safe space for me. Um, it doesn't matter if I've actually never heard the song. If it's like one of the newer ones that I haven't kept up with, as soon as his voice starts, I'm just kind of like, and the and the general sound. They have just this this um, melody that travels over everything they do. Like you know, it's a Death Cab song. There's no question. Yeah. Well, if I'm somewhere and I hear it, it's just like this visual. It's like the opposite of goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of. I was really excited to get this one because it is such a big part of you for me. So that's so funny. That's interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, that's, but that's, what's been one of my favorite things about doing this as well is that I always think of you when I'm listening to the album that you sent me and I'm like oh I wonder what Jen thinks about this or like what is when does she listen to this and and now like every time I hear I'm sure any song from any of the albums that were (laughs) that were ever gonna you're ever gonna give me I'm always gonna think of you Um, I love that yeah and I will tell you when we when we really dive into this album um I will tell you exactly where and when and how I listen to this because yay We'll start off with Switchfoot. Yes. Um, and I want to know how you how you chose to begin to dive into this. So I told you what you were listening to, and then we shut off the podcast 
mics and like, how did that play out for you? Yeah. Um, I have always, since we started doing this podcast, I've started by listening to it in my car. Okay. Um, and I don't have a very long drive to work, but, um, music in the car is just, I am always, I use Apple music. I constantly am finding new music through using that app. And I'm always just like putting it on when I go to work. So I'm like, well, that's just what my first listening experience is always going to be. Like, I just, I don't know why, but I like that as a tradition. So that's where I first initially like played through. Um, and like I said, it was hard for me at first. And like the first song, um, Lonely Nation, I was like, okay, like this is cool. I listened to it and then um, got through to stars this is the next song and I immediately was like oh I know this song so like I was like yeah and like vibing with it and then got into like the meat like the middle and I was like okay and like I could I was like switching the song to the next one and like and I was like okay this is definitely like I need and I always do I always sit down and like I really like listen to the songs and read the lyrics and like do all that. I'm like, this is really going to have to be one of those albums for me because I just wasn't vibing with it right away. So that was my first like impression, my first reaction to it. And then what ended, what I ended up doing is I took the first chunk of the album and sat down, listened through all of it, wrote down my initial notes um, did that in one day and I just do it like in my, in my apartment on the floor with my notebook and pencil and I'll pause, play and pause the song so that I can like read the lyrics. Cause that's really important to me. And then took another chunk of the album and did that again. And then what I did is I listened to the entire album as a whole on the way to California and wrote like any additional notes that I had because it was I could sit down and do it all in one sitting and completely zone out and just really like listen to it as a whole as a collection on a so that's, place that's yeah a really, like interesting place to do that yeah and switch foot to California band so I want to throw that out there that I think it's kind of funny that you were like listening as you were like going homeland. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I knew that too, just from from reading up on some information from the band. So I I took that as a big opportunity. I'm like, okay, this is the perfect time for me to really like hone in on this. So it was cool. It was a cool listening experience to be able to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Kind of a rarity. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I actually don't know for sure if they're NorCal or SoCal. Mm. Do you know? Did you run across that? I just I don't California. I think they're I, SoCal though, which was like your area, which is just yep. even funnier. like it was on the nose. Oh, San Diego. Yeah, so they're SoCal. I mean, southern, more southern than what you were, but like, it's just so funny. Awesome. Do you remember the first time that you listened to this album all the way through? I wish I did. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember it coming out and I remember the videos coming out and I remember going to buy the CD at like Target or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend in middle school that this probably is like where all my Christian music stuff started. Her family was pretty religious. I think I went to youth group with her like once. I had so much fun, didn't realize anything that was happening because I don't think that they were like an overtly super religious like group. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would 
often like exchange music and Switchfoot was her favorite band. And mine was probably like, I don't know, a good Charlotte or something. So um, we would like exchange these like pieces of music and I got Switchfoot from her. So I feel like that's where I got my appreciation of like more than just like meant to live and stuff. And I loved those songs, but um, that's, that's kind of how it eased me into all of the other like weird things that they come up with. Yeah. So it definitely, like I was there um, and I just remember feeling like I didn't understand a lot of the writing, but the sounds were so powerful and like John Foreman's voice has always just like been such a, like another home for me. Like I love his voice. I love it. I think that it's just like so powerful. It's so him. And he's just like one of those people that whenever I listen to anything by Switchfoot, I just kind of feel like everything's going to be okay. Um, this might be like blasphemy. <laughs> and I don't think it is because um, it wasn't my idea, but Reliant K has a song on, I think it's four score and seven years ago that at the, it's like the album closer. It's the very end of the song. It's this guy that's dying. They tell his like life story. He's on his deathbed. I think the song's called deathbed and they have written lines for, I think it's God. I don't think it's Jesus. Either way, God or Jesus comes at the end of the song to collect this man and tell him he's gonna be okay. Guess who sang God slash Jesus? John Foreman. <laughs> so I don't know if it's like that, just kind of put that in my head, but I've like, I've just felt him to be a very spiritually grounding person. And mm. voice. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I can totally see that. I, I do actually really enjoy his voice. I think it's very unique. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not like every other boy band out there that you hear. Um, it's, you can tell, like, you know who it is, is, is immediately when you're, when you're listening. So yeah, no, I agree. I enjoy his voice a lot. And I think it has so much range, which is yes. really cool for a man's voice to be able to go really high and go super low. That's cool. An emotional range too. Yeah. He can sing some like really fun, beautiful, lighter songs. And he can sing some like lowest of the low, mm -hmm. like mental health is out the window songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which there's one on here and we'll talk about it. Um, and I think that's kind of wild. Like he's able to convey his emotional expression, which is amazing for a human to have such a wide range anyway, but to be able to convey that through like your music vocals. Yeah. Pretty cool. I agree. I think that's also another similarity between Death Cab and Switchfoot, the ability mm -hmm. to, to do that. I mean, the, ma the majority of Death Cab, especially early Death Cab is definitely a litter little, on the slower side and like a little bit more on the melancholy like side, but there's a couple of songs on this on transatlanticism that are more upbeat and you're like, okay, like this works, you know? So absolutely. Yes. Do you want to know what my gem was? I do. I do. Okay. 
<laughs> so my gem of the album was Daisy. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, first of all, it's just a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And his voice, yes, that like deep, low voice through this song is just captivating. Yes. It is like, it's mesmerizing. You're like holding on to like every lyric and every part. And then he's just taking you through it. And it's a very sad like story. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the whole album kind of had the same sort of feeling like that for me, maybe I would have been able to get through it a little more because this song is, I think, the standout of the entire album. Nothing mm-hmm. else on this album is like this song. And this ended up being my favorite one. Okay. So I don't know. I, I There's just, yeah. But it's a simple, beautiful song it's full of so much pain like oh yeah it's a really great story obviously but but yeah there's a lot of pain in this song I think this is one of the most painful songs I've ever heard yeah like this was one of those songs that I was listening to when I was a kid and I was like I feel so just like sad in my soul and I I can't really put it into words why like this song makes me just feel so um not like scared of like how, how I felt, but it, I felt it so deeply and I felt such sorrow and I, I wasn't old enough to like really to know why. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine hearing this as a young teen and being like, you know, not having really had much life experience and not knowing like, and being like, I can feel the depth and the meaning, but not really being able to explain what it what it is which is to be able to convey that feeling is true art like that not everyone can do that no and not everyone would go into this album saying that switchfoot could do that (laughs) and I was definitely one of them until I got to the song (laughs) and I was like oh my god I'm depressed I'm just kidding (laughs) I feel like so this, this song ends the album mm-hmm. and you do have this really powerful buildup at the end where he's just singing, let it go. Yep. And it like, oh my God, I feel like I could like tear up right now. Um, it's really positive. Like, yes, there's some weird positivity in it. And it's one of those things that it's like, I can't tell you exactly why it will get better, but it will. I see it as like, he's telling this person, this Daisy, you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. It, you're feel like I'm, I'm um, acknowledging everything that you're feeling that you're going through, but let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Let it not even just like, like meanly, like just get over it, but like, let it go. Let yeah. it be. It's kind of, is it, is it bad to say it's kind of like, let it be from the Beatles? Where it's like you don't have a resolution, but yeah, you just got to let things be sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really hard lesson to learn in life when you're just, you're down and out, the worst is happening or is yet to come. And you're like, I just have to get through this. And like you, 
you know that there's going to come a moment where you're like, oh my God, like, am I going to live through this? Like, am I going to survive? And you're like, this is just life and you have to let it go and you have to move on and you have to. And like, I think the reason why there's emotion behind it is because there's belief there. It's not the, okay, I'm going to move through this and be fine on the other side. It's the belief that you're going to be okay. And like that silver lining in in life where the most painful moments are also the most beautiful moments because they make you realize what is so important. That's what this song is, I think. I think you're right because we don't have a specific situation to also tie her to her Mm. sorrow. We don't know why she's hitting this point in her life that is so heavy. Yes. Which is another reason why it makes it so relatable because I was finding, I listened to, to this song more than once because I was like trying to find like what it was. I'm like, is it drugs? Is it like she lost someone? Like, what is it? Who is this person that he's characterizing? And you can't put your finger on it. And I think that's, what's really cool is that it can be you and it could be the person next to you and it could be whoever. So that's cool. Yeah, I agree. Ooh, good gem. Mm-hmm. What's yours? So <laughs> mine moves us back to the beginning of the album. So it's kind of okay. funny that you chose the closer. I chose the opener. Okay. So I chose Lonely Nation because what a powerful and aggressive opener. Like this is on my list of favorite openers of all time ever. Oh my God. Okay. You get no hesitation. You just get thrown into this universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of their heaviest songs, which I just appreciate by nature of me. Um, And it's, I wrote down, it's demanding, but it's hopeful. Yes. Um, This is one of their best songs. And unfortunately, this lonely nation situation that they're talking about is still happening 15 years later. We'll, We'll talk about other things on the album that pop up that same thing, but this is where you start to get into political, societal things that they're writing about that need to change. And we're still experiencing a lot of those same things. Yeah. That's funny. I wrote Lonely Nation just seems to me as like a generation or a movement of loneliness. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think it's a fallout of like how they were seeing everyone in the world act. Yeah. At the time when they were writing it, like it's the kind of like upswing of technology and like these big corporations taking over everything. And like, I can totally see them writing about getting swallowed up by all of that and how it's just isolating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And based on everything they do end up going into, I guess it is a really good overture, like introduction to um, the, the certain little subjects they do touch on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like powerful. It's just like him. I think there's like some points in the song that are just like him I can't think of how else to say it other than howling yeah and it was I just thought it was such an interesting song for them to start an album off with because 
a lot of their following and fan base being heavily Christian might not agree with their ideals. Yes. Well, honestly, I didn't, I knew this album was pretty political, but doing research for this, they have gone above and beyond over the last however many years. And they like actively stand against like bad things and for the right thing. It's not easy when you're, when you're a member of like a religious community, Mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. I think, um, I think you're right. And I think this brings like a simplicity to organized religion and to Christianity. It's like, it's not all these other things that society tries to make it like, it's not about hate and it's not about like ostracizing one group and making other people feel left out. Like, it's not about that. It's about like, it's about kindness and it's about acceptance. And like, that's so cool for, for a band to, to take a stance like that. And you're right. Like this is, this song is big punch in the face. Like this is what we stand for as a Christian rock band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. It pushes boundaries that people don't, where people don't want to go, you know? Nope. Especially, especially their circle. Yeah. Yep. But that's so important. And if you're going to make change and you're going to be a part of a movement, you have to do that. And you have Mm -hmm. to look at your, you know, friends and your family and, you know, your community and say, like, are we really doing this right? And this is the way that they did that. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about, um, you talked about like the poetry and like the words and just the creative writing in this album, like that, that was what struck me the most. Um, And one of the lines in this song in particular, when he's saying screaming without lungs, Mm -hmm. like just the, just the chorus right there. Um, is a really cool visual and such a great way to describe wanting to scream, but like not having the air to do it or not having the lungs to do it. And like, I love that. So then they throw us into stars. Which yes, is like, which the transition is yeah. great. Uh-huh. It sounds yeah. like stars. It's twinkly. Yes. It is twinkly. Uh, great song. I see exactly. Mm-hmm. I think this was the first single. I see why. Yep. It's just like, when I think of Switchfoot fun, I kind of think of this song, even though yeah. it might be the most like happy lyrically song, um, yep. the sounds are just like the sounds, the power, the fun. So in August of 2017, I finally got to see Switchfoot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was going to say, didn't you see them and who else was with them? <laughs> This is where everyone's like, oh my God, Jen really does listen to a lot of Christian rock bands. Um, So I was probably going to buy tickets for this anyway, but I won tickets to the show from Radio 92.9, who were the coolest people. I don't think they exist anymore. Um, But Switchfoot was playing a co-headliner with Lifehouse. Okay. Okay. Yes. I was like, for some reason I wanted to say Goo Goo Dolls, but I was like, no, that's not the right. Like Goo Goo Dolls, but Christian. Yeah. (laughs) So I took Leah with me because she also loves Christian rock music. So it's so fun. (laughs) So we went to see Switchfoot. I was psyched because I wanted to see them forever, but I just, 
I always miss them or I, I really don't feel like they tour a lot. Like I feel like they're kind of hard to catch. But yeah, we went to see them at the House of Blues in Boston and it was one of the strangest concert experiences of my life because we go in and I feel like I'm at a church gathering. There mm-hmm. are bros and polos and there are families and um, it's very much not the usual House of Blues crowd. Um, and there are a lot of like younger kids, like young teens, poor Leah, uh, you know, she's like a normal looking person. And then there's me and I'm like the only person with anything different going on. Cause I have a lot of blue hair and <laughs> I mean, I'm not that weird looking, but in that crowd, Oh, wow. Did I feel not at home? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. No mean. It was just weird. It was just like really, really weird. It felt like a giant family reunion that I'd never met the family for, but everyone else knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but they played stars and hmm. it was awesome. And I was so excited and it was just as cool live. It was everything I wanted it to be. Um, and it was just like a powerful dose of fun and that's what I think the song is but then you look at the lyrics and there's a line that says when I look at the stars I see someone else and you start to realize that like there might be a sense of like lost identity in this song I feel like that's what I pulled from it yeah it's definitely a song that masks itself with the music yes but then you look at the lyrics and it's like I mean just from the beginning I've been thinking maybe I've been part of the cloudy. Maybe I'm the chance of rain. Um, and he's like, everybody looks so lonely. And then I look at the stars and I feel like myself, which I kind of feel like I see this song as being like caught up in the day to day. And then if I take a moment and I like pause, look up at something that's just bigger than me for a moment, then it all kind of seems to go fade away. And I feel grounded. That's how I kind of see this song. Masked by the happiness of the the music. It like makes you want to jump around. Yep. Um, But it's maybe like a little bit cathartic because you're like having fun and expelling energy. And you're like something about it. Like you're shaking it out with a bunch of other people that are like singing the same things out loud and feeling those same things. Mm -hmm. Um, The video is very interesting because I think it- Touches on this like liminal place. Yes. Um, where it's like they're playing live. Yeah. But the seasons keep changing. Yeah. And then they're underwater and they're like floating. And what I thought was cool about that is there's a line in the song where he's saying, I've been thinking about the feeling of resistance, I think he says. Mm-hmm. When I watched the video, I was like, oh, like, well, the resistance part is like being underwater and like trying to move and like playing guitar and playing drums, but like not being able to. And the feeling of like punching through water, you know? And I'm like, ah, that's such a really cool visual to put to the song. So that was, I thought that was really smart on their end visually. So from there we go into, Mm -hmm. I think one of the most interesting songs on the album. Yeah. Happy is a yuppie word. Mm-hmm. Yuppie. Uh, I just wanted to pull that and I wanted to pull it. So I really, truly had the understanding that I thought 
Mm. So it's a young person with a well-paid job and a fashionable lifestyle. And I wrote down mm. Chad, a Brad, a Thad. <laughs> I, that's so funny. Yeah, I I really liked this song. I thought that musically this was really interesting because I just thought that they they played with sound really interesting in this song because you kind of have this like drudginess in the beginning. It's like blah, 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 blah. And then you get to the chorus and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Among some like really messed up lyrics, which yes. are just like, they're true. It's just lyrics reflecting a capitalistic society. Well, it literally starts off. He goes, everyone dies. And you're like, shit. I mean, yeah, but damn. <laughs> and there's the line, everything is meaningless. I want more than simple cash can buy. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. We get yes. the album title in a lyric. I do. That's funny. I had the que- I literally wrote, I need to ask Jen what nothing is sound means. Yeah, that is so funny. Oh. I don't know. I think... I like it's funny and I kept like saying it and like nothing is sound. Nothing is sound. What does that mean? Nothing is sound. It sounded really like this riddle that some like oracle gives you and they're like, once nothing you figure this out, you figure out the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. It's sound, it's like it's okay. And then sound okay. sound is a noise. There's a couple right. different ways you could really like try to dig into this. I just I don't True. know. It could have multiple meanings. Yeah, but he's like screaming it at the end. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like nothing is um well now I'm thinking about it because I was thinking sound is noise, not sound is like like okay. Yeah. Um maybe it's the notion that like not everything is what it seems to be. That's kind you know? of too. Yeah, like, especially in the song now, thinking about what he's trying to say, like, you can be happy with all this, you know, with this job, with this car, with this family, with this house, with this outfit, you know, whatever, but nothing is ever going to be okay underneath it all, just because you have all these materialistic things. So yeah, that's a really good point. Maybe, I don't know, they need to listen to this podcast and tell us. I know. Switch what? Please tell us what nothing is sound means. <laughs> yeah. So we have the shadow proves the sunshine coming after mm. that. Very interesting song. Yeah. Yeah. This is clearly someone struggling. <laughs> like yeah. clearly someone in the darkness needing light and like needing help. Uh, this is this is another like deep song. But like Daisy, there's also this like there's this feeling of desperation, but then there's this, like the clouds are parting and like the sun comes through and like, you're like, okay, like this darkness proves that there will be light. The shadow proves the sunshine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I pulled a couple lines. I, I just love to dry eyes in the pouring rain. I don't know. There's like the joke that like, ha just like, I'll cry in the shower. I'll cry in the rain. And like, no one will be able to tell I'm crying. Dry eyes in the pouring rain. You have nothing left. You have no, you're empty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I liked the line crooked soul trying to stand up straight or stay up straight. I think he says, but I liked that line a lot. You're like, everything inside of me is just like 
I'm empty and I'm just trying to get through life. Like, And there's a couple lines where it gets really spiritual. Um, and he says, oh, Lord, why did you forsake me? Oh, Lord, don't be far away. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down that I don't mind these lines. Um, I think they're quite beautiful, actually. Yeah. Um, that there is a bright spot in the middle of the song where he sings shine on me. Yep. I wrote that down, too. I love that. And you know what's cool about this? I I realized now that there's a theme in this album that's very much like earthly. Yep. And I think that's a really cool connection because whenever I think of God, like I very much am connected to nature and to animals. And that to me is the most, the most innocent that life really is and that I connect the beauty of that to God so much more than I do any story or idea or manifestation like it to me like the trees the earth the birds like that to me is God and I think in this album it's really cool because that's what at least to me they're connecting it to so I think you're right I mean you have stars yeah. You have Shadow Proves the Sunshine. There's another song we'll talk about called The Setting Sun. And then you could even argue that Daisy, they chose this name to refer yeah. to this character that it's a flower. It's a floral nature thing. Yeah. That is, I actually didn't pull that at all. So I'm super glad you did. I think it's maybe an insight as to how they also think about overall spirituality and where um, God is for them, which is really cool. Yeah. And I think it's the way for us to connect to something that you can see and touch and smell and feel where, you know, believing in something isn't always as easy if you can't do that. And it's a way for you to escape. It's a form of escapism from society and from work and, you know, living your yuppie life, like to be able to go walk through the park and smell a flower and be like, oh, okay. Like everything makes sense. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it sounds stupid, but it's so true. Like, it's true. Yeah. You need like a place to go. And sometimes that a lot of the times that place to go is a lake, an ocean, a hike, like a forest, a park bench, you know, to feel like a sense of grounding. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So we have easier than love. Easier than love. This one's a I... little polarizing, but I like how they did it. Mm-hmm. In terms of this is not, I don't think this is a slut chain. And I'll explain why I don't think so. So it doesn't shame because it's like a, I think this is like an industry preying on loneliness situation that they're calling. I agree with you. I think, I think it's actually more about seeking love in the wrong places because Mm -hmm. we're taught as a society to find love. Like Mm -hmm. that's what you got to, that's like the most important thing above all is to find a partner and that's what you're supposed to do. I literally pulled the line. Everyone's been scared to die. Everyone's been scared to death of dying here alone. Yep. I have that line written as well. Everyone's scared of dying here alone. Yep. And like, that's, you know, it's here we have like another political societal statement that they're making. And 
I love, I think they say something about neon signs and I um, forget exactly what the line is, but it made me think about when you go to like a strip club or you're at Vegas, like you see like the neon sign that says like sex or like live nudes or like whatever, you know what I'm talking about? I was just about to say that neon has a very interesting cultural significance um, in America of something being very cheap, something being very seedy. Mm. Like neon signs are not a classy thing. Um, The line you're referring to, I had to pull it up, are banner waves with a neon glow. Um, And I love that because Uh, this whole thing is like, how much are you willing to sell your own happiness and integrity in order to like do the things society wants you to do? Right. Um, And I'm glad you picked up on that because- that's huge. Neon is like a very interesting term. You know, they could have just said our banner waves with a bold glow, but they didn't. They said neon because neon means cheap. Mm. Yes. Thank you for putting that together for me. <laughs> I'm like, uh, this has some I, sort of significance. Yeah. Please help me word, put it into words. <laughs> <laughs> Why we work together as, as a team. Yeah, this was an interesting song. I think it was done it was done well. It's a good statement. It wasn't like my favorite. It definitely wasn't my favorite song on the album, but I think it is a good, a good statement. Yeah. I love that. It's not necessarily like he does reference a female person, but I feel like that's just because you never see like a sexy guy selling sexy cars. Mm -hmm. Because you have, she is sexist currency. She sells cars. She sells magazines. Mm-hmm. And then a little later on, um, they write, she's easier than love, is easier than life, is easier to fake and smile and bribe. Um, they do reference like a woman, but I don't feel like. Well, they, I think that they're, they're saying society makes a woman a sex symbol because it's yes. easier than all the other things. Not that she's necessarily a bad person. No. You know? Yeah. No, I think I think it's a it's a call on society making a woman a a sex symbol. Yeah. 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 It's good feminism Mm -hmm. in Christianity. Yeah, we love (laughs) it. That's for two thousand five. Yeah, ahead of its time. Um. Yes, the blues. So there's a link to Death Cab in this song, and it is the New Year. Did you catch oh, shoot. That? No, I definitely didn't. Wait, did I? No. So theirs is the middle and Death Cabs is the beginning. So we do have it chronologically happening at different times. But I thought it was interesting. There's a line that says, is this the new year or just another night? Wow. Huh. Which is funny because in the New Year song by Death Cab, he says, so this is the new year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. What a great connection, Jen. And they're both, um, we'll get into Death Cab because I have plenty to say about that song. They're both kind of mundane New Year songs. Yeah. yeah. So, I said I said that this song is very dramatic. LOL, I wrote. <laughs> I wrote, this song's very dramatic, LOL. It is. There was a, a major connection I made to their song, Meant to Live. Um, there's a line in Meant to Live that says, we want more than the wars of our fathers. I feel like everyone knows this album. 
you know, you can hear the musicality in their head when you say that line, we want more than the wars of our fathers. There's a line in this song that says, till you stand on the broken fields where our fathers lay. Mm. So you have this, like, they're referencing the active war going on um, between, but, yeah, between people that were before them in, in this prior song. And now in this album, we have our, our viewpoint as literally standing on top of the graves of their fa- like of the fathers, you know, the forefathers, mm-hmm. our, fa- our ancestors. So I just thought it was kind of an interesting continuation. And I wonder if that was on purpose or yeah. if it was just like, maybe that's one of their like song tropes is they just like kind of bring up this idea of our fathers, like these people before us. Mm. Yeah, now I need to, now, now I want to see, you bring up such good questions and I'm like, I wish I, we had answers. I know. <sighs> we just need to start inviting celebrities onto these goddamn podcasts. I know, one day. And like, who are these bitches? <laughs> and we're going to be like, so John Foreman, tell us the meaning of life, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when exactly does the shadow prove the sunshine? <laughs> <laughs> what is nothing is sound? <laughs> The, the main question yeah um no I thought that this song it really it, it symbolizes how the world really does feel like it's going to cave in I mean I know that that's dramatic but I mean like you said it earlier it's the perfect time to be talking <laughs> talking about that because it really does feel that way um pull the line because I pulled the line I love that you just said that uh that there's no end in sight Nope, that the line is, and nothing is okay until the world caves in. Literally. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it just feels like you're just, everything's running into the ground. And it's just going to open up into a pit of hell. The two blues? <laughs> it's a little heavier than the blues. Yes, definitely a little heavier than the blues. But, yeah. Blue is also but- a naturally occurring color. Like, I think that's kind of an interesting thing to look at in your nature scheme. Yeah, that's true. Blue is a pigment that we find in nature. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that that wasn't in their writing because it's just like they're going off the, the saying the blues. I have the blues. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool because there's a couple other things in here that are like, they're very like humanistic, very nature. But even the blues, blue is a color that occurs in nature. And like, maybe there's something to be said about that with the content of the song as well. Like these are, you know, organically occurring um, feelings and situations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. That definitely connects there. The blues is like, yeah, you know, I have the blues. I'm down. I'm sad. This is like, no, the world's ending. (laughs) Like, yeah, this, it should have been called what like Armageddon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not thrilled with this this title honestly because I think it, it doesn't do it justice and it yeah. just kind of like glosses over it right Armageddon. I don't know Armageddon Armageddon right. Blues Are, okay that's better that's a little better Armageddon Cyan if we want to get real fans wow <laughs> they're like no we didn't think about it that that intensely <laughs> I did. Um, I loved the line. Are there any left that haven't kissed the enemy? And that reminds me of how I see like a fucking Trump sign, like every, every turn, 
Yeah. You're just like, is there anyone here who like actually is like, is there any, are there any good people left? It is tough. Who knew that line would just mean something someday? Yeah. But I mean, and I want to, I'll get into this in two songs in The Politician. I've been like just vibrating to say it. This all went down during like the era of Bush and you got a lot of music that was like, this was American Idiot times. Mm -hmm. You know, people were very upset with what Bush did and he did handle things really oddly um, and bad. And um, a lot of people were frustrated and we were literally at war. And now it's so sad that we get to apply this to another U.S. Mm -hmm. leader. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, so the setting sun. The setting sun. Another nature. Yes. I felt like this song should be in a movie if it isn't already. Very cinematic. Mm -hmm. It's, I wrote down, it's such a nice song. It is. It is a nice song. How did you feel listening to this in your car? Um... I don't know actually if I listen to this one in my car. I think you should give this a do-over in a sunny day and I listen don't think, to it in your car. I don't think I got to this song in my car. If I did, I don't remember, to be honest. But yes, that is a good point. Because it definitely has that like feeling of like freedom, like you're going somewhere and you're like gonna have a really good day. Yeah. Hair <laughs> in the wind, window down, like nothing is bad in the world and everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. So I thought I was going to say I like the line, finally free, finally strong, somewhere back where I belong. And that's oh. like, that captures the entire song right there. It's just like, there's nowhere else you'd rather be. It's like perfect in that moment. I saw it as a reference to heaven. Mm, yeah. My hope runs underneath it all the day that I'll be home. Mm, yes. Yeah. Which is kind of like a morbid concept and a very interesting part of Christianity that I've always found kind of morbid is this like, you know, oh, like, you know, death is so horrible, right? But there's this this beautiful thing to look forward to after. And I've always found like, that's so interesting how people are so like, that is what they believe will happen. Dead set. That's what's going to happen. Heaven is a real thing. And I envy that in people to have that like, steadfast belief in something so hard that even death does not scare you because you know something's great something great is on the other side as as humans we need something to believe in post-death you know yeah for the majority of people to like feel okay with accepting those things and especially i think when you're like older when you're sicker and you're you're literally faced with your mortality Mm -hmm. a lot of people choose to um to devote themselves to this because it gives them something Mm -hmm. makes you not as afraid anymore, which is just something personally, I am afraid. (laughs) So, but I, what a beautiful feeling that you're just like, it's going to, it's going to be okay. Even when it, the end is here. Yeah. That's a great thing. And I think, you know, if you can find it and you can truly embrace that, then that's amazing for you, you know, for anybody. Yeah. So dying to talk about. Okay. Okay. Politicians. Reiterate, we're recording this on November 4th and we are definitely, uh, we just took a break and checked in on our election results. 
Yep. And um, it's a very tense time and there's a lot of hope. And I think you have to have that, but um, anything can go anywhere. And we've, you know, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen this year and we're kind of at the culmination of it um, because of our politicians. Mm -hmm. So we have the song that was written in 2005 um, and yet it's perfectly applicable to 2020. Yeah. So tell me how you feel about it. Uh, this song, when I first listened to it, I was like, this is super loud and super heavy. Like for me, I was like, oh, like this is a lot. <laughs> um, so I really had to look at the, look at the lyrics when we, t- when we go back to making statements as a Christian rock band, this to me is, is a really big one because politics and religion, while they shouldn't mix they always have, and they've always influenced each other and they still do. And that's very much a heavy theme in our current political world. So I think, you know, to come out and make a statement like that and write a song about it and to have it be heavy and grungy and meaningful is a really incredible risk to be taking. I think you're right. I mean, it's angry mm-hmm. and they are angry. Yeah. And they are not apologetic. Like they're not Bush apologists because, right. because of the time, that's all I can think of. And we were so young. Um, but I do recall like Bush and the Bush family. They are like outward Christians, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is funny. Cause again, like they're saying like, this is not, what Christianity is and really like voicing that as a band like where your political stances are I don't think other than punk bands and more mainstream like Green Day making political statements yeah because I mean you had like anti-flag and you had yeah exactly the punk bands but exactly yeah but that wasn't like on the radio Like you couldn't like turn on the radio and like hear that. Well, and even Green Day had a lot of trouble getting a lot of the content from um, American Idiot into playable mainstream channels. Like you You couldn't say that against the president. Like to have a Christian band come out and do this and turn against their own people. Yeah, it's huge. Um, There's a line that, says we're the problem we're the politicians Mm. and I thought that was like very interesting and again I think this song tied back so much to the activity that I've seen them talking on Twitter like they've been talking about BLM and they've been talking about how to have compassion it just makes the song so much more strong because I know that the song is genuine like intent Right. Or to make a, make a one-time statement to get some popularity. Yeah. No, it's good to see. It's good to see the follow through there and the continuation of making statements. That's cool. So we'll shake that off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Then we have golden. Golden. I like this song. This was, this was a good one. Yeah. I would, I would equate this to 
the setting sun like it's similar you know yeah it's fun it's it's like a it's got a fun melody it's a lighter Mm -hmm. one but it does touch on mental health and it does they've had a long history of working with the to write love on her arms foundation oh cool okay I did not know that they've been like one of the ones that have been there since the beginning if not oh no don't quote me on it, everyone. But I think they were the first ones, at least one of the very first mainstream bands to start talking about this, start wearing the apparel, okay, integrating this into what they were doing. Um, yeah. I mean, the line, you are golden, don't let go, is like, you're important. Like, realize that you're important. Right. It's a very beautiful, uplifting song. Like, something you listen to in a moment where you need to be reminded of why you don't have to give up and like why you don't have to let go even in the moments where you're just like, well, what the fuck's the point? Exactly. (laughs) Like, no, like you have a purpose, like you're here, you're golden, don't let go. Well, even if your feelings are unexplainable, because I pulled the line, we've been talking about a feeling we both know inside but couldn't find the words. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel like they can't start therapy, they can't start treatment, they can't even begin to start talking about what they're feeling if they don't have words to like put to it like a reason it's not enough to be like I am just I feel so outside of myself and I don't know why I don't know what this feeling is but something is wrong like it that's a scary thing to admit rather than being like yeah I'm depressed because I'm going through a divorce I'm depressed because Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing a loss you know sometimes everything can be so perfect but when you know when mental health is bad, there's no, like, it doesn't have to be justified. This song is a self-care song. Yeah. It's like a, it's going to be all right song. Like you have, yeah. Like you said, like a justification. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the fatal wound and I just wrote out, this is dark switchfoot F. And then I wrote three exclamation points. I wrote, this is a very, very, low point and I'm not (laughs) and I wrote I'm not sure I love the harmonica (laughs) fair (laughs) but yeah this was a it was such a dip from from golden to like just to be like oh all right I'm like riding a little bit of a high like everything's gonna be okay and then full stop nope it's not (laughs) kind of referencing our friends in neck deep on episode one where it's healing isn't linear Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like you can have a song like Golden and even go that deep as to be like, you know what? You can't explain your feelings. That's okay. And it doesn't always, like, even with that, like, arming yourself with that knowledge, it's not like you're just going to, like, shoot up on the charts after that or even continue on a plateau. Sometimes it does get worse. Like, it's, yeah, it's one of the, it's that meme I keep seeing that it's like me. Everyone is allowed to feel sad for no reason. And then it's like, my brain says, but not you. And then it's like, me says, not me. <laughs> it's it's that. It's like yeah. that concept anyway. Yeah. I think this is another really great thing to to write about, though, and to be able to say, like, and it goes back to the point I made earlier of, like, you know, you think of everything being rainbows and sunshine. Like you're never supposed to be sad and everything's great and God is good and Jesus is saving me. 
And it's like, well, sometimes Jesus is nowhere to be fucking found and Mm -hmm. God sucks and I'm in my own personal hell and there's no one saving me. That's this song. And it's it's like it's saying to those kids, those people, those teenagers who are listening to this album because it's the only type of music their parents will let them listen to because they know it's Christian rock, that it's okay to feel that way. (laughs) So it's like you're sneaking in there. That's a really good point. What a song to leave someone with because it's like, I feel like a lot of people feel like if, uh, especially vulnerable like teens Mm. um, are introduced to really dark topics, like songs about suicide, songs about Mm. whatever, that like, well, boom, duh, they're going to do it. That's not what that always means. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just enough for them to be like, oh, I'm not the only person in the world that feels this way. Right. If you shelter a group of people from something, they're more apt to do that thing because they have nowhere to go and no one to turn to and no one telling them that it's okay to feel that way. Right. Yeah. Sneaking it in on those non-parental advisory, no swear yeah. albums. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. so cool. Ah, oh, yes. And then we have the last one. Well, not the last one. We did talk about the last song on the album. So we have the yeah. second last song on the album. That's um, We Are One Tonight. Mm-hmm. Cute video. It's just like a bunch of people of different yeah. backgrounds. I thought video. it was cool. The, the transition of like person to person doing different actions was was cool. And I liked that it symbolized like, you know, we're one nation, like we're one group of people, but really like at the end of it all, we're all seeking the same thing. We're all going to work every day. We're laughing. We're, you know, hanging out with our friends. Like, so that was cool. We are one tonight. Yep. If, if Joe Biden wins the election, I will run out into the, the street and I will sing we are one tonight in its entirety. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think that the police will like that, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it will be a good thing. <laughs> maybe that's what that song makes me feel like. Um, I pulled a couple lines. I don't want to lose it coming down with the whole world upside down. And I wrote mm-hmm. down this song, so 2020. And then I wrote down, we're dreaming out loud and the world is flawed, but these scars will heal. Um, and I just wrote that, wrote that down as hope. And then there's a line that says, and I wonder if you caught this, the stars are coming out. Oh, uh, no. They slip it in there. No. I had never caught it before I like combed through it this time. Okay. That's funny because I, I picked out in Lonely Nation, he says separate we are one and talks about the world caving in in the blues and here we have with the whole world upside down we are one tonight Ooh! wow it links like that song to this song i love that yeah it's a bit of a spider web the whole album yeah it definitely is yeah i think it just it, it is a very good concept to and to be able to pull it all together in a way that that doesn't seem like one song sticks out any more than the other. And you're not like, Oh, well, why, like, where is this topic coming from? Yeah. Was really cool. So, and to be able to play a song off of another one lyrically is, and to do that well 
is another thing to be proud of too, as an artist and as a band. And I feel like these weren't accidents. I do feel like these were, this was a little bit of planned writing. For sure. Which, like I said, you can only do, I feel like you can, you can do that poorly or you can do that well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for journeying through that album with me. Um, Thank you for sharing it with me. Even, you know, I hope I didn't scare you from in the beginning being like, it wasn't, you know like my favorite thing but I have like I I have I do have a lot of respect for it and I think it's it's very very ahead of its time for when it came out I've grown with it and I I am quite interested to see how that album comes across to someone tackling that in one go as a Mm -hmm. more formed adult too yeah now (laughs) we'll throw that in there as well Yeah, no, it was cool. It was, yeah, it was nice to listen to something I never would have picked up on my own unless you were in my car with me and threw it on. (laughs) It probably wouldn't be one of those albums and I think that's the cool part. Yeah, right. So now I want to hear the first time you remember interacting with um, transatlanticism. Yes. Was this your first Death Cab experience? No. No, my first Death Cab experience is probably like a lot of people and it was with plans first. Um, I remember I saw the music video for Soul Meets Body, um, which is a song off of plans by Death Cab for Cutie. It was on like Fuse TV or something like that. And I saw it and um, I just immediately was like, I love this song. And it was, I think I was probably in like, seventh grade maybe sixth grade sixth or seventh grade and I just really started expanding my music palette because at the time it was a lot of My Chemical Romance and Good Charlotte and you know that emo scene of music that you and I bonded over so so much Mm -hmm. and I still love that music but at the time at the time I really didn't know anything outside of that realm and so stepping into the indie world was really cool um, cause from death cab spanned like Tegan and Sarah and like opened up just a whole new world for me of music. So that like really none of my friends were listening to. Um, so that was my first experience with death cab. And from there I bought the plans album, um, the CD and then started like just exploring other death cab songs. And my uncle, um, who's a musician out in California, he is just was huge into music and um, would often like share music with me. And he recommended that I buy that by transatlanticism. And so, yeah. Okay. This is really cool. I didn't know this. Yeah. So I bought the album, never having listened to any song off of it. Like I bought the CD, popped it into my CD player at home and listened to it. And I, you know, I wish I could remember exactly like what I was doing or whatever, but immediately taken with it it is so special and as I said earlier like anybody you mentioned Death Cab for Cutie they will absolutely either mention this album or they'll mention the Postal Service (laughs) yep always is um you know they know if you know if you know Death Cab for Cutie you know this album for sure um 
but yeah, and in both plans by Death Cab and this album, hands down, best albums by them for sure. And for very different reasons. Like I don't listen to them for the same reasons. Both give me different feelings. Um, yeah, very. I'm very passionate about this album. It's so good. I'm so glad that I got to share it with you. I'm so happy it was this because I am very, very familiar with plans. Mm. So I was excited to get this one because I was like, oh, okay. One that I necessarily like wouldn't, like I'll jump to plans. Um, And honestly, I really like codes and keys. So this was exciting for me. Like it, it, it's always been on my list, but it like, it was like, okay, now's the time. That's awesome. So you were going to tell me about your listening experience. So I have been um, taking a lot of these albums on a walk through my neighborhood and I kind of live on the fringes of Boston. Um, so it gets really residential, um, strangely, like mm. you can be in a neighborhood of houses and you can hear the tea and it's weird. And I like that. And I've always felt drawn to this area in particular, but also that lifestyle, um, as like maybe future potential for like what my life as like a, an older married adult with kids looks like. Mm. I love the city so much, but there is like, you get to have a car, like in the town that I live in, it's only literally like maybe a five minute drive away from Kenmore square and Fenway park, but you get to have a car. People have garages, people have houses. I'm not saying I can afford this in the future. Um, but it's, uh, um, and I want to specify, I live in an apartment with three roommates in the middle of all of this. Um, it's just kind of like a weird gem, but, um, it's, it's like a place for families to be. And I think that's really cool. And you get that, like, you get that removal from the city, but it's right there. So I've been walking around and really exploring these neighborhoods that I have never had the time to do before. So I walked around as the sun was setting and it was getting dark um, by myself. And it was like very cool to experience that. I fell right into it right away. It was like an easy listen. This album is extremely liminal and transitional. Everything in it is a, um, an experience of like a transitional time in someone's life and situation. And I just thought it was so interesting to walk around and kind of like listen to these songs and think about my own life because like I'm also in a very liminal time. I'm in my late 20s. I live in a city. I'm trying to make a career work that is like <laughs> a whole different thing. Like, um, you know, I, I just like, I can walk around and go out and be in this residential neighborhood where everyone that lives there is expected home for dinner, but like, that's not the case for me. And I'm not saying it like in a sad way, like sometimes it is short, but like, it's kind of cool and weird. And I, I like live life as like a, like a liminal entity right now. (laughs) That's so cool. I think that's the perfect backdrop too, for this, to really take that type of experience and for you to have taken that away from not only listening to this album, but to like put yourself, oh, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's just a really neat perspective 
to have taken along with this listening experience. So that's super cool. And I can totally envision you like (laughs) black vans on, beanie on, it's kind of cold, like just like walking past these houses, thinking about how your life compares to these people. I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it's the perfect like brownstone backdrop to to this album and to have these other additional thoughts like popping into your brain is very much how I feel like these concepts in this album must have popped into you know the artists that wrote them you know that's really cool and there was a lot of frogs on my walk too (laughs) like it's so funny it kind of feels like spiritually Emily is here and it's cool because like it's Maybe it was more so a reminder of you than I even realized. Um, because as I'm saying this out loud now, when I go to like visit you and Megan, it's so, so much like a second like like childhood house for me in a way. Like if that makes sense, like it's mm-hmm. a it's a safe, comfortable, um, foundational place for me to go, and it's always been that way. Even though you guys have lived in different places doesn't matter if I'm coming over to a new apartment for the first time. Like I can sit on the couch and wrap myself in a blanket. Yeah. Oh, and I it's love that. not a little place for me. It's like a, that's like a, like a charging port, like a grounding place for me to go. Um, because you guys are my family. So it's kind of cool that I was walking around a place in which people are literally like settling down and putting down roots for the rest of their life. Mm. Uh, there's me that's just like who knows how long I'll be in the neighborhood you know like probably not forever so I'm just like bopping along and kind of like looking at the children's toys in the front yard and their gardens and the lights on in these houses and people driving into their driveways or walking their dogs and this is their life and I'm just walking through it Mm. that's so interesting as a ghost as a liminal ghost (laughs) I love it. Wow. I feel like that should be a story in and of itself or a music video to one of these songs. I don't know. It kind of felt a little cinematic, but I appreciated it. And I think this was perfect for it. Um, So I want to circle back and ask you about um, taking this listen to it for this purpose now, Um, like how... How was it to take this album and really like rip it apart and analyze it? Because I'm assuming you haven't done that before, even though you were really familiar with it. Yes, that's a great question. I definitely have never, ever looked at an album, especially one so like near and dear to me and read every single lyric and really thought long and hard about the meaning and just the value of it all so it definitely gives me like a different appreciation for it now listening to it and like knowing more I know it more like it's more of an intimate listen you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I think yeah like listen I listened to this album on the way back from California Okay. Um, after I had already written all my notes for it and um, just did like a full listen through again. And it was interesting 
to listen to it without taking the notes or anything, but after I had already kind of been like, whoa, you know, taking so much. Kind of saw it in fresh eyes at that point then? Or fresher eyes? Definitely. Yes. I think so. Do you feel the same about about nothing is sound? Yes. Yep. I think it's like so interesting to take these albums because same thing. Like I really hadn't picked it apart like this at all. Um, so I think when you do that and then you kind of go back and you like throw it back into your rotation um, and listen to it without, you know, writing these notes and pausing and stopping and zeroing in on things, you still like, it's kind of cool because it's a new experience because you you catch these things that you did pick up in the, like the close listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. It does make it far more valuable. Like, yeah. it sounds weird, but maybe even like reaffirms your like genuine love for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's been really a really interesting way to discover how much you really enjoyed the album before you got to dissect it, you know what I mean? And and to really understand what parts of it get to you and yeah. to be able to articulate it is much different than just being like, oh, I love this song or I love this album. Yeah. Yeah, like forcing yourself to be like, let me try to explain this unexplainable like noise on the bridge that really does it for me. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to like take it from that individual aspect of, you know, I love this album and I'm proud of it within myself, but also like I kind of finished these processes so far and I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I like gave that to M and I'm really glad we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. And letting other people in on this conversation, like it reaffirms my choice. Yeah. And I don't think that this is the type of conversation that exists really out there when you are dissecting an album. Like you, that people aren't doing that anymore. Like when you pick out, pick up Rolling Stone and like whoever just released an album, it's like, you know, some paragraph about the sound of the band or artist and what taste it puts in your mouth. It's not like, okay, let's sit down and go track by track and like really think about each song and what the meaning behind it is and how it makes you feel and what's the purpose. And yeah, I don't think that there's conversations being had like that and if there are I'm not privy to it <laughs> existing anywhere they're definitely underground if they are yeah. I mean because you're right like a lot of what you see for records is it's rare to see a reflection on old records usually it's, mm. it has to do with um like a, a look back on someone's career retrospective in which they're looking at everything mm-hmm. um or even I don't you know I've had so many 10-year anniversary band things come up in the last couple of years and I'm not seeing this discussed the way that we're doing it still which is cool like um even if they're sitting down with the artist to get more of an insight I don't think it goes this deep still yeah and it's still like very marketable as I guess how I want to kind of like overlay it like record 
reviews are marketable to either make you buy a record or sensationalize the fact that it sucks or this person <laughs> thinks it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the other cool thing for, for me as well is I'm just feel like I'm learning a lot about music Same. and yeah. And that's cool. Cause I feel like, I mean, I don't, I would have never taken the time to discover the way that I am now, you know? Well, and I think you don't even know how you can tap into it because honestly, when we started this, like, I don't know, we realized how deep we were going to go with all of this, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So it's I cool. Agree. Like it's wild three already. And we're, we're just like, we've had three very different conversations about like very human things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I'm interested to hear what your gem was. Okay. So my gem was passenger seat. Okay. (laughs) Nice. I love that. It is so like simple and not that I don't love the complicated things they do because I really love everything they do. But this one is like, so just like to the heart, you can kind of hear this um, outside noise, like a, yeah, a, kind like of like a whirring. A nature, a, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like a whirring, a soft mm-hmm. whirring mm-hmm. in the background. And then you just have the piano and Ben Gerberg singing. And it's just kind of like a very simple story story if you look at the narration yep you know it's these two people in a car which I think is like such a powerful place for a lot of people yeah um it's nighttime a hundred percent I will argue with anyone who doesn't think it's not nighttime (laughs) I think it's definitely it's like if it's not nighttime it's it's sunset but it's not morning it's not midday it's definitely like it's at the end of a good day like yeah it's closing it's a, it's a driving song. home. It's like a drive home. Yes. After the beach yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with um, you. Oh, I'm so, so glad like, that you feel that way. <laughs> it's it's just beauty and simplicity. Yes. Um. So when we were kind of listening, I was also doing, I was putting together a playlist for someone on my team at work who um, just had a baby. And I thought it would be fun to kind of get the team together and um, get their like really soft songs. Mm. Cause I just kind of like pictured her tired at 3am and like, I just need to throw something on, you know, when you're just like kind of sitting in the rocking chair with your kid, um, my guess. Um, <laughs> and you know, you just like, you can't, you're so tired anymore. You don't want to sing. So you need something else. So this is like, that was my thought. And I put this song on the, on the playlist because I could just imagine her, holding her like newborn child in the nursery, sitting in a chair, just like her and him, just like having this moment. Oh my like, God, pitch dark, so beautiful. The world is asleep. Yep. So. Wow. It's just That's beautiful. Awesome. It's a beautiful song. I, it's, I don't know of any other song that like magically and perfectly captures a moment in time. Yes. And it's yeah. and you, and it is just such a simple moment. Like just driving home at night and how do you make a song about that? But he did right. and captured it so well and it's just 
Wonderful. And just the visualization of like your feet on the dash as the Mm -hmm. world passes you by, you're just like, Mm -hmm. it's so good. Yeah. I love that you picked this as your gem. It was really hard for me to not pick this as Yeah. Oh, okay. What was your gem? (laughs) So my gem was the sound (laughs) of settling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Doesn't surprise me. I, this, when I first heard this album, like this song became, I think it probably still is one of my favorite songs of all time, because if you're just ever in a bad mood and you need like a pick me up song like this, this is it. And it's just so fun. Like what is not to love about this song? It's just like perfectly upbeat and it's just like the papa in the song. It's just so happy. Yeah, everyone knows that. Ba, 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 yeah. ba. It's so fun. But yeah, and some ly- really beautiful, colorful lyrics as well. Like, I've a got a hunger. Dark. <laughs> a little dark. I've got a hunger twisting my stomach into knots. Um, old age is just around the bend. I can't wait to go gray. Mm-hmm. I'll sit around and wonder of every love I could have been, that could have been. Yeah, it's definitely a little dark, but uh, but also happy <laughs> somehow. <laughs> it's It's, you're going to not like this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's so funny. No, I think I took the song in such a different direction. Yeah. I, I like this song. I'm going to preface this. This is not me like the song sucks. This is just like, I'm, I'm just like, how did I pull this? Okay. So I felt like this song was self-destruction painted happy because sure. I took it as settling. Mm-hmm. Like the, the person in the story was settling. Mm. Um, and like maybe they're a little scared and a little desperate and they know things could be better, mm-hmm. but they, they're they not going to try for that because that's scary. Um, I wrote down, because it's so, like it's it's this like, not, it's, it's a very life impacting decision, you know, to settle in some ways, mm-hmm. um, but it's painted so happy and you're, you're like, you know, you're meant to be bopping around. I wrote down, this is my nightmare on acid. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right though. I I think you, you pulled something from that song that like, I just glaze over every time I listen to it. Cause I'm just like, this is great. This is great. And I think that's what that's the point meant to feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Complacency and settling and, and the terribleness of making that decision all wrapped up in a pretty little bow with a great melody. Yeah. Because it's a very like twenties thing. And I mean, I think that's a a thing at many ages, but like, it's definitely a big theme that a lot of people share in their twenties. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you're kind of like, I'm going to make this work. And then you shove the puzzle piece in and you're just like, we're going to ride this out until I explode. Mm -hmm. whether it's a bad job, a bad relationship, you know, general, like you're not doing what you want in life, anything. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Did you watch the music video for this? I was just about to ask you. Okay. What did you think? I did. It was weird. I mean, (laughs) which is like them. It was, um, it was, it tracked. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love like all the different people in it. Like, 
Yeah. The drunk guy, the the, the bakers like handing cakes <laughs> to the camera. I don't know. I, I, I love the frame fun. switches. Yes. Chris Walla playing the tiny ukulele. So funny. Yes. <laughs> I love that. The dance that it's he's doing. Quirky. Yeah. <laughs> the colors too, like the bright green gold, mm-hmm. I think was an interesting choice. Um, like for some reason that's when I think of that video, I think of all the people and stuff, but like, I just think of like gold, green, gold, green. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know if that's going with like the, the bubba and it's kind of taking on this, like, um, it kind of takes on this synesthesia for me. And I just see gold, green, gold, green, gold, green, gold, green. <laughs> um, oh my God. And I like that. So funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you're right. It definitely is now that, that I'm thinking about it. I need to like rewatch the video now um, and think and like look for the coloring because I'm so I'm so focused on the people because I think that's like the funny part for me. But I, I love that you picked up on color and I'm not surprised that you did. But yeah, I'm not either. The pace <laughs> and the movement of it, I think, was what what made me realize that there was like a musicality to the, the palette I was seeing. Yeah. Um, just the way they moved through the frames. Well, I enjoy your interpretation and perception of the song. No, I'm just kidding. You're totally right about it. Yeah. It <laughs> and definitely... you are too, though. I think we just picked up like the dual meanings of it. Yeah. Yeah. How could you not have fun when they're going? Oh, bah, 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 it's so good. Gold green, gold green. <laughs> and, you know, it's there's really good drum beat. And a really nice guitar riff in that song too. Yeah. And it's just, I, yeah, I don't know. I lo- I've heard, I've listened to that song over and over and over and over again. Like I know every crash and beat. Well, we have the first song on the album, The New Year. What did you think about this as being the first song on the album? Um, I like, I don't mind like when things are on the nose. So I kind mm-hmm. of liked that they started it with the new year because I don't mind being like started off on a literal like cultural reset Mm -hmm. this isn't a good new year though (laughs) it's definitely not a good new year (laughs) no it is not (laughs) which I love because I think there's this pressure that every one of us put on ourselves for the new year to be something like great new I'm gonna do this thing like everything's everything's going to be different this year like you know these are my resolutions and I'm really gonna nail it and this is just like depressed (laughs) like (laughs) like this is someone who wishes they had something to do on the new year on new year's eve and they have nothing to do and they're just like well I don't feel any fucking different (laughs) this is what the new year is supposed (laughs) to feel like that's what he's you know he's like He's saying that in the song. So this is the new year. Mm-hmm. It's numb. It's it's a numb new year. Yeah. I think there's even a line. Oh, maybe I that was my interpretation. I wrote down, so this is it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's really great sound in this song. And like the very beginning, it sounds like a car running. Mm-hmm. I love that. It does. Yep. And it kind of like paints this like I can envision the car and like the exhaust coming out of the muffler because it's freezing cold because it's like, yep. you know, 
end of December, beginning of January. And it's Mm -hmm. so cold. That's what I imagine. And it kind of paints this like grayness over the sun for me. Like a grainy, like maybe yes, gray, grainy, foggy. Yeah. And is that because we grew up here in the Northeast and we like by the time January rolls around, unless you are having like the best like Gatsby New Year, which like is rare, mm-hmm. then it all always feels a little sad by then. You yeah. know, Christmas has passed. The snow is dirty. Yep. It's always wicked cold. Yep. And it's like, if especially if you are like, yeah, I got nothing going on this New Year's, like it amplifies it. It does. In terms of sadness. Like, <laughs> oh, this is the way I'm starting my New Year is right alone alone and sad or something you know and that's this like this like wraps that feeling up yep with the sound and the lyrics it's yeah but then there's this great little moment in the song where there's like it's a I think it yeah it's a two like two minutes into the song when the song takes like a brand a different turn and like the heaviness of the drums fade and then you get this like quieter really cool scene that plays out where he's he's singing about um everybody put your best suit or dress on and make believe Mm -hmm. uh that we're wealthy for just this once that's the line and that's such a good um it's a good one because he's kind of envisioning to me like what what kind of new year he would want and i kind of imagine this like I always imagine this like house and people are just kind of like spilling out onto the lawn and they're drunk and they're having like the best time. And you're just like with your friends and your loved ones. And it's like, that's what you want New Year's Eve to feel like. Um, And it's kind of like this, this vision within um, a reality. And it's almost like he's phoning it in a little bit when he's saying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really liked the line 30 dialogues bleeding into one. Just because I didn't catch that one. You yeah. like a party? Like a party. Yeah. Like a party. Yeah, which mm. I liked. Thought that was a cool Which line. the video was a party. Yes. And it really starts off as the perspective of a a waitress having to work New Year's. Mm-hmm. The music video is interesting. I wish it again, like I said in the beginning, I really visualize a lot when I'm listening to this album and this music video is just not what I imagine at all. <laughs> like, no, it in could song. have been, but it fell flat. It did. It fell flat. It's just, it, it wasn't as great. It's just, but I feel like if we had a character and not yeah. all these miscellaneous people, it would feel more personal versus like, just, you know, let's put together a music video that goes along with the song. Like that's what they did. You know, they didn't take a, they didn't take what could have been a really great cinematic story, you know? Yes. Yeah. It felt more like a TV show, but like a boring scene of a TV show. Oh, it could have been so good. I know. (sighs) I don't know. Have I ever told you about New Year's 2016? I think so. Because this made me think of. (laughs) What? Oh, tell me, remind me. I feel like I probably know, but you what? probably do. I'll be surprised if you don't. So this made me think of that New Year's for me because I was 
I got stuck managing the dessert shop I used to work at and <laughs> <laughs> redacted um, and because everyone else had plans. And I like, I just really never have plans. I'm kind of like, oh, something like pans out cool. But like, you know, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a big partier. So I was like, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll work it. We were closing up and at about 10, oh, 9.30, 10, I realized I <laughs> locked my phone and my wallet and all of my stuff in the office. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. When you had to, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so all of my staff were still there, thank God. But they're like, we got to go. Like we have plans. And so one of them did call me a locksmith and because it was new year's and apparently everyone locks themselves out on new year's, the guy was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll come when I come, like I'll try to get there before midnight, but like, you know, sit tight. It's going to be a while. I have some other calls. So I sat in the front of the store and just like looked out onto Newbury street with no phone, no nothing. And I was like, are you kidding me? Am I really going to have to ring in the new year at work by myself? Wow. And thankfully the guy came at like just after 11, was able to pop open the door. And I, I think I even took like a, an overpriced Uber home. Cause I was like, I'm not ringing yeah. in the new year there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it was just like, so this is the new year. Okay. Cool. Holy shit. Wasn't exciting when I got home. I think I ordered a pizza and just like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like by myself. So I rang in the new year with a pizza, but, but we've had some fun new years together. We have. Yes. We used to spend new years together as children. So we used to watch MTV TRL new years when that was a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There was the year we went to Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Yeah. I would love to be somewhere at least once in my life where I can like dance, not freezing my ass off Mm -hmm. on an island, drinking some sort of bougie (laughs) tropical drink. Like that's at least once. Definitely not happening this year, obviously, but (laughs) that would be great. Let's plan for the safe year because that sounds like a plan. Yeah, that would be great. But I think, (laughs) you know, it's this emphasis that society has somehow ingrained into us that we need to have these plans. Yeah. I mean, that's just like not always how life goes. Like you, it might not be the right time to start that thing or that diet or whatever the fuck it is that you Mm -hmm. telling yourself you need to do, you know? And, but I think that it's a very strange concept. Yeah. And it can create so much disappointment so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's a hard holiday. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, what about lightness? lightness? Yes. Your heart is a river that flows through your chest through every organ. It's Mm. like a really sad and sweet song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I like this song. It's sort of an internal monologue to me. Yeah. And I... I got to see it as this is if, okay, so if you take the new year and lightness and you make it the same night, I think that this is just a continuation. I wrote the same thing. You did? 
I wrote this is the slow song that everyone dances to after the New Year, um, New Year's Eve ball drops when the party's winding down. Yeah. And I think he's alone. Like there's no one for him. Like he's not there with anybody. But he's talking about this girl. Like he's clearly like either it's someone he's making up in his mind that he wishes was there or there's someone there that he's infatuated with and they don't pay any attention to this person and um there's a really great like visual oh that's so funny i wrote your heart is a river that flows through your chest through every organ i wrote that too there's a tear in the fabric of your favorite dress and i'm sneaking glances looking for the patterns and Mm -hmm. static they start to make sense the longer i'm at it so that's a cool and then you have this other line later on Ivory lines lead, which I feel mm-hmm. like pairs perfectly with what you pulled. Yeah. So it's like just this sort of like obsessiveness, I think, to this song. Yeah. Um, but not in like a super creepy way, but like in a way where like there's someone there and you're just like wishing you were the person that was dancing with them in that way. Another disappointment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the line, oh, instincts are misleading. Mm. You shouldn't think what you're feeling. They don't tell you what you know you should want. So, yeah. It's a really gorgeous song, though. Yeah. Very simple, very light. Well, (laughs) lightness. Lightness. But, (laughs) yeah. But it really does sort of float along the top like a film of smoke on a New Year's Eve night, you know? Yeah. Melancholy. Wow. Mm -hmm. It is like a like a very light, smoky, melancholy hug. Yeah. Everyone's like, don't hug me. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me every time someone comes in for a hug. <laughs> oh, I have no. to I have to initiate it. If someone comes to me and is hugging me, I'm like, I don't know where to put my face. Like I don't know. <laughs> I get so stressed. Oh. <laughs> But if I'm the one initiating it, I'm like, okay, I can be in control here. Yeah, you're a confident hugger. I, I, I yeah, I see that. Definitely. Yeah, you're Just like a you're you, like a bird. If you ever true, if you ever come and like start to hug me first, just watch my body language. <laughs> I well, I, I guess I'm used to you, so it's like you're never someone that you just like slap your hands around. You just yeah. like you go in for it, like a it's like, like a slow like a cat that's gotta trust you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like a slow <laughs> thing. I'm like, are we going? Okay, we're going. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, you're certainly not a melancholy, smoky hug. So thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we have title and registration. What do you think about this song? <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> You hate it. No, no, I really like it. No, it's really messed up what I wrote down. I grew up thinking this song was the saddest. And then I got my heart decimated and I understood right away. Mm -hmm. This song is about a divorce, if I'm not incorrect. That or a very painful breakup, for sure. Yes. Well, papers is mentioned. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, though. And it's... So this song is really cool because I think he, you know, opens the glove box expecting to find 
gloves or something and he's looking for something that should be in there but then he finds these pictures of Mm -hmm. you know things that he tried to forget he says and he's like what the fuck's the point of a glove box and then he ends up writing a song about it but it works so Mm -hmm. well because it's got this (laughs) these undertones of anger and sadness and heartbreak um oh yeah just these little sprinklings of of hints of what you know he's going through but he's like taking it out on the glove box which I can relate to so much like I've had moments where I'm like what the fuck is even the point of this shit and you're just like (laughs) (laughs) or you're like up at night and you're like why is it called a glove box if you don't even put gloves in there you know what I mean (laughs) and that's the song (laughs) true I do love that he, he has that line that directly references that but it's like that's such a a literary line like I could see that being written in like a um like a YA young adult of like in inner monologue of what the character is like going through yeah yes yeah that's so true I feel like that a lot with Ben's lyrics just that they're so poetically written that they must be they must be feelings and thoughts that he's having because they're so personal and I feel like they could be in a book I'm reading. He's really good at inner monologue. Like, yeah, very, very talented at narrating those thoughts in that way. Yeah. And I feel like as a whole, that's this album. Like it's very much like a, yeah. Told from his perspective, his perspective, whatever it's definitely it's it's different than the message that you hear in nothing is sound because oh yeah kind of it's taking on a global feeling global meaning with that album and well, if that's this album outside yeah this album this is, is in yeah mm-hmm. inside you're right it is like global versus individual that's a great mm-hmm. way to put it yeah yeah did you watch it's this a good, video a good one um, I did. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. Yeah. This one I was, I was happy with this, this video. Yes. And I remember seeing it a long, long, long time ago. Um, okay. And then I had just never, I don't know why, but I just really never watched any of Death Cab's music videos. And if I did, it was just like once. And I was like, eh, you know, it was yeah. never, it was never <laughs> their strong suit. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I actually really enjoyed this music video, like revisiting it for this purpose. I was like, oh, that's cool. And it kind of gave me an alternate feeling, like an alternate Mm -hmm. um, thought. But what did you think? So I loved it. I agree with you. Um, It's really simple. And the premise is that you have what I assumed were Ben Gibbard's friends mm-hmm. acting as a medical staff and operating him, operating on him in his bedroom. And you've got like quilts and homey things. And you're like, yeah, this isn't like a clean sanitary, like medical facility. This is at home. Um, they kind of go through and take out, they're doing like a, like a heart surgery mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. But all the organs are crafts. <laughs> Yes. It's so cute the way they do it. And the lighting is really beautiful and Mm -hmm. it's very delicate. It's really cool. When I was watching the video, I thought of a cool concept like that 
was sort of unexpected. And I kind of think maybe it's what would be going through someone's head if they had gotten in a car accident. Like they were daydreaming of how the glove compartment Mm -hmm. isn't accurately named. And then they get in this car accident and like you're in and out of it and, you know, in pain and on drugs and like what you're imagining happening to your body as you get open heart surgery (laughs) and you're like, yeah, like a fever dream. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I was like, I don't know if that's the concept, but that's just a thought I had. God, That's good though, because people focus on weird things in, in trauma. I think it's like a human thing where you need to like grasp onto some simple concept to make sense of what's going on. So like, I can absolutely see that if you're in like a, like a really bad wreck and you're, you're just like, but the glove compartment, the glove compartment, you know? Yeah. Like you're focusing on this. Yeah. I also felt like it was a commentary on like your friends can put you back together. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's very true. Like here are the people who came and sewed me back together. Literally. Apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we've got Expo 86. It's a weird one on the album. It is. It's a different- not my favorite. Um, not funny. mine either. Why is it not your favorite? I wrote it. It's funny that you said like it's a weird one. I wrote this is a strange little bop. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There's like some good lines, and I've it has like oh, yeah. a fun vibration to it with the reverb of the guitar. It's you know it's good. It's very reminiscent to an older album by death cab um we have the facts and we're voting yes that's the name of the album yes um this song i was like i feel like it doesn't belong here (laughs) you know yeah it's a little misplaced yeah but i really enjoy the line sometimes it seems that i don't have the skills to recollect the twists and turns of plot that turned us from lovers to friends i'm thinking (sighs) i should take that volume back up off the shelf and crack its weary spine and read to help remind myself like wow yeah wow it speaks to how the song is in transition though because you have this repeated line if I move my place in line I'll lose and Mm -hmm. the line that you just recited beautifully um it's the same thing it's like you're you're kind of like you're in movement you're like what do I do next like I, I you know I have to do this to do this to do this and I've got these like conflicting situation thoughts in my head and this is what this song is, is yeah. it's literally like someone in transition and maybe not a smooth transition, mm-hmm. like yeah, challenging. I think, yeah. I think it's, you know, in a relationship where you're like trying to figure out the best way to communicate. And he's saying like, we used to be this and now we're not anymore. Like, how did we get there? And then the line, the yeah. squeaking of our skin against the steel has gotten worse. Okay, I wrote that down with a question mark because I wanted to ask you how you interpreted that because I really wasn't sure. I saw it as getting on getting on each other's nerves. Oh. Like you're rubbing squeak. like friction. Yeah. You know, you're rubbing each other the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you've got the like skin against steel and squeaking so you've got like the the annoying sound and you've got that like terrible feeling of like metal burn. Right. Yeah, that's awful. (laughs) (laughs) This song might link a little bit to 
the next song, which is, which was your gem. And I think this Mm. is kind of one of those transitions that we saw the same thing happen in the new year to lightness. We see Expo 8886 reacting to Sound of Settling because of the line, but if I move my place in line, I'll lose. That is like what I got from the Sound of Settling. Sure. Yeah. I totally get that. Like, okay, this is the best it's going to be. So I guess I'll just have to grin and bear it. But it sounds awful and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) It's squeaky and it burns me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great little (laughs) parallel that you drew there. It's such a, it's just such a prelude to the sound of settling. Yeah. The the dirty guitars is like, you really do have to look at the the writing because Mm -hmm. the sound on this is so misplaced from everything else that it, Mm -hmm. I definitely never caught that before at all. Like this was when I a hundred percent skipped on this album. Yeah. Like before. Yep. Yep. Same. Definitely. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not my favorite, (laughs) but it's important to the the story. Yep. It's a, it's an uncomfortable piece of the story, which I think is kind of interesting if you look at it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, we talked about sound of settling and then we have tiny vessels which I also thought was like, this is part of a kind of like a quad story because Mm. I think songs four through seven are all connected. Yeah. So you have this middle of the album. So Tiny Vessels, um, I pulled the line, this is the moment that you know that you told her you loved her, but you don't. That is like the fallout from when you settle and you realize that you are fucked yeah. because you can't even like pretend yeah. to feel the way you committed to feeling. Yeah. I wrote that the song makes me like a little mad at Ben Gibbard. <laughs> Why? Because I feel like it's so harsh. He's like, well, you're beautiful. You're beautiful, but you don't mean a thing to me. Like, oh, yeah. I hope, I hope <laughs> that the person on the other end under like, yeah. Understands that the relationship isn't what it is supposed to be and feels equally just as done and like not attached. But what if that's not this that's not the situation? I don't think he it le- is. The and situation. he led and he led this person on and he's so he hurt by that that he like it's like this inner turmoil of being like, wow, I'm a really shitty person. Like yeah, I'm not a good person. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, that's that's what I and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, we've all been there. I think. Mm-hmm. I think we've definitely all been the person who's like, yeah, I'm really invested, and then you're like, oh no, I'm not. And then you, yeah, like what did I talk one. myself into? Yeah, and then yeah, and no one wants to be that person, but to write a song about it, <laughs> I yikes! It is yikes. Yeah. But it's it's got to be. I really don't think that the other person is like, yeah, I wasn't feeling it either because you wouldn't write this song if you weren't settling because the other person was giving you like that foundation to settle into. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like there's a little bit more like if we relate tiny vessels to lightness and like that feeling mm-hmm. of infatuation in in that moment is it more just like lust than it is love 
and confusing that feeling. I think that this song is very much that. What? (laughs) Well, it's pretty funny that you said lust because I really was like tiny vessels, tiny vessels. I think that's like, (laughs) like a hickey, like a love fight. Oh yeah, because like that's what coming makes to the that, surface. Like, discoloring is tiny broken blood vessels. Mm-hmm. That's so, such a great. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I think you're totally right. But I also wonder. So, what makes me think? What made me? What made me have the thought of? Is the person on the other end also as uninvested? Is the line? at the end where he's like one last touch and then we'll go and we'll pretend that it meant something so much more. And he's saying, we, not me, not I, Yeah, we. And so I wonder if, or they're fooling themselves that he loved them as much as they wanted him to. Right. I mean, the other person could well be settling as well. I mean, I feel like that's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the theme of this world and honestly like a big part of our society and to link it to easier than love by switchfoot it's like society kind of is just like get in the hole get in the hole fit yourself in the hole like get in the marriage hole find someone find someone find someone it's like musical chairs Mm -hmm. find someone and now have this great life and stay together forever and that could definitely be that the other person, they've just like built this like very fake relationship because both people are kind of like, oh, good enough, good enough until it's not. Yeah. This is and also- the last bit that you have to hang on to of this like literal human flesh connection isn't even there anymore. Like both, or at least he's not interested. He's like- Yeah. We'll do this one more time and then we'll pretend right. on anything. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, it's very unique to be able to write about something like that in a in a way that is articulated well because nobody would want to write about it, you know. And shows yourself in that light. Like, yeah, you're exposing your own, like, shittiness. Yeah. So there's a line about gray clouds in this song, mm-hmm. um, which transfers us to transatlanticism in which there's a line about the clouds above opened up and let it out for the first time. Yeah. So there's your direct, like your scene shifts. Yes. Visually. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me, just tell me everything. Oh God. Okay. I, this was another close runner up for a gem because this song live i've seen death cab three times and this song live it's great the last time i saw them i saw them at the wang again where i saw them the first time and we had really really good seats and it was like you know the wang set up like a theater it is a theater and um it's a beautiful old theater. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Painted ceilings, old. And there's like Gilded. gold gold filigree, like, oh. And um, the perfect setting to listen to Death Cab for Cutie. And so there's this yeah. um plat like a platform like right below the stage. And they packed the that area with seats, like um okay. fold seat, folding seats. Mm-hmm. And we were right behind that. 
So we were like right up on stage pretty much um, very close. And this song came on and either, do you know if you've seen a band more than once and the performances are great, but then there's like one and you're like, this was different. And maybe that's because of the energy of the crowd or the way that the person's feeling when they're performing or whatever it is, but there's or where you are in your life. True. And there's just something magical that happens. And this was the last song that they played and it just like transcended. It was just like this incredible moment of like togetherness with these total strangers. Everybody was bawling. Like everyone was crying. It was so wonderful. And just, you know, at the end where he's like, just like screaming and it was like, it's this song is so powerful. Like I, I wish there's like not even words to describe this song and it live. There are no words. It's like the song you want to hear as you're being lifted into heaven. Like <laughs> there's yeah. our heaven. This is kind of like a heaven rapture reference. song. Yeah. <laughs> And there's like some. I wrote down the same thing. Music is so powerful. Yeah. Like I love that you pull like that word. It's not just like a generically thrown in word. Like powerful. Yeah. This is powerful. Yes. Like hairs on your arms stand up on the back of your neck. Like full on chills listening to this song. Yep. You were saying it's sad. There's a sadness. Yeah. There's totally a sadness because it's like. At the end, he's like screaming, so come on. And he's like, I need, you know, I need you so much closer. And Mm -hmm. who's he talking about? What is that feeling? And I think that line for everybody resonates in a different way. And it's like, it's just, oh, I don't know. It's like coming down. Atlanticism, when you have two relation, when you have a relationship, two halves going on on, literally either side of the Atlantic ocean Mm. is what I kept finding when I was like looking at this. So it's literally like, there's a distance. There's a, like a location difference. Like there's, but there's so much of it that it's like, he could never even jump into the Atlantic ocean and just like swim across for that other person. Yeah. It's like standing on the edge of it, yelling into the void and they still can't hear you. Yeah. I always imagine, well, now I do. When I hear this song, I when we went to Ireland and we went to the Cliffs of Moher, that's I, exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like this song and that weather and the scenery, like it mm-hmm. just all fits together. And now I like very much imagine that, like some lonely soul, just like so lost and like, but also hopeful and and just yeah. feeling like throwing everything you have off the cliff except for yourself and being like right you know yeah it's so incredibly strong yeah yeah it's unlike anything else I've ever heard for sure mm-hmm. and there's so much going on musically at the end and just the build mm-hmm. the build itself is so good I mean, it's eight minutes of build yes oh And you can't do that without, like, a lot of bands will do that, right? And 
sometimes you just get lost and you're bored, but you don't get lost or bored in this. Mm-mm, you're with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. It just brings you along. Yeah. Yeah. Your soul deepens as it, as it builds. Like, mm-hmm. like you could feel very off interactive the build. Yeah. Yep. Oh. It's so good. It's so good. I want to put it in a bottle and like, I know. And just have it. And just have Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And just, you wouldn't be able to put a label on it because there's just no, there's no transatlanticism is the only one word that you could describe that song with. Just this vastness. Like, oh, yeah. And this song is so powerful to everyone. And it's funny to throw it back to last, uh, to last episode. Our friends in the main covered this song. Oh, no way. uh Uh-huh. I'll send it to you. It's beautiful. Um, And it's, I think it's kind of interesting because like, as we discussed, they have this like really, you know, hard to figure out emotional depth as well. So John kind of is able to like sing this with such a, a, just like a perfect emotion. Like it's just Mm. like. He gets it. Like he gets it, I guess, is the only way I can explain it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, everything in life links back together, but I love that. Like I think that's really funny that that's so cool. Yes, please send that to, to me. Different people. I will. Yes. It's, it's powerful. And I think it's kind of like, you know, people don't cover this song. Like, because mm-hmm. why would you? It's kind of like sacrilegious, but when you think about like a very famous piece of art that people love and relate Mm -hmm. to Um, and like the feeling or emotions that are evoked there. And that's across a large group of people, like the same thing, like this song is a form of art in that way that like, yeah, it just evokes this indescribable uh, emotion or reaction that, only really good impactful art does mm-hmm. so cool like so staring cool. straight into starry night which I've never gotten to yes. do in my life but one day but it's like that it's like it is it is that form of art where you you're approaching this piece of music knowing that you're like it's going to deliver a very impactful um experience to spend time mm-hmm. with it yeah. I think you're absolutely right. This is fine art indie. Yes. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Ben Gibbard would just die knowing that he accomplished that. <laughs> like just put well, it on my did. tombstone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> indie fine artist. <laughs> yep. All right. We talked about passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And then we have death. Which is and- kind of funny. If I if I can go back to that for a minute, like yeah. You have this so big build and then tra- transatlanticism finishes and then you have this simplicity yeah. and passenger seat. And then you come to death of an interior decorator, which kind of brings you back from the edge. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the song? It's one of those very storied death cab songs. Mm-hmm. And this evokes like a seasonal feeling for me. Like this was June. Early mm. summer, June. Sure. What did what did you get? Um, this song sticks out like a sore thumb to me. 
I don't, I don't love it. I think it's weird. I don't understand. Like <laughs> the, the story is great. Why is it here? I don't get it. Yeah. Who is this? Like, what is it? It's just not, it's, it's like not my favorite thing. No, it's like the, the main character went over to a relative's house and like pointed out a picture and was like, who's this? And they're like, this is your aunt Sally. And he had never met aunt Sally. And they kind of tell him the story about aunt Sally's life. And then you just continue on the main character story in the next song. Like it, it right. felt like a cutaway. It felt like a very like, okay, here we have this like really great, strong, like emotional depth of, of a, of a story going on. And then all of a sudden we get to passenger seat and it kind of like wraps it all up so well. And then you get to death of interior decorator and we looked like giants and you're just like, I don't know, where are we anymore? Are we on the same album? I know. It's like, they could have been like your footing a little bit extras or something, but, but a lack of color if it had, okay. In a perfect world. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. It would have gone transatlanticism, passenger seat, and a lack of color. And the two in between, I could do- totally just do without. Okay, so I have nothing else to say about Death of an Interior Decorator. Do you? No. Or should we just <laughs> jump to the other throwaway then? Because I kind of felt yeah. the same way with... Oh my God, totally. Okay, this is a weird song. Least favorite. Opposite of Gem. Not a fan. It's weird. It's like nefarious. Mm-hmm. It's um maybe not great because I kind of felt like there was maybe a little bit of a weird, like not awesome age difference, like professor and student in this. Mm -hmm. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. It's an affair. That's what it is. It's like, it is like an affair. I'd become what I always hated when I was with you. Then I swear on my name, they could smell it on me. I've never been too good with secrets. Mm. I didn't even pick up on that because I was just like, the song sucks. I was trying to find something in the song. I was like, why Good do for I hate you. this so much? You did so much better than me. I was just like, They've Ugh. just got this like, like weird, grungy, terrible, guitar. terrible. And I'm then it sorry. kind of like speeds up. <laughs> and you can't always Ugh. have great pieces of art, you know, this <laughs> you got to have though. the bad ones too. <laughs> yeah. That's it's no, I think it could be like shorter. I don't know. It's yeah. It's not good. Like an interlude? I, yeah. We can move on. It's weird. <laughs> we don't have to linger on it. <laughs> yeah, he's, now he sucks. This is worse than Tiny Vessels. This guy fucking sucks. Also, I don't feel like this is the main character, though. This felt like Maybe an not. older man, like a 45-year-old man. Another cutaway character. Yeah. But I like a lack of color. Mm-hmm. Do you like this song? I'm very familiar with the song. Yeah. This yeah. one, when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I knew title yeah. and registration as well, but, like, this one um, is def one of my favorite Death Cab songs. Yeah. This is a great song. Yeah. And this has that whirring in the background, too. Mm-hmm. Because you know why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I'm so excited to tell you this. Because I was wondering if you are going to pick up on this. Nothing? Nothing about... No, no. Tell me. If you loop the album, you hear the same sound in the new year. It continues. It's meant to be a loop. Okay. That makes sense. Because I kind of see this as 
yeah, I see this as revisiting that girl from the beginning for sure. Like, and it's kind of the same sentiment, right? There's just like this grayness to this relationship yep. or to this situation. There's a lack of color, you know? A lack of color. Yep. Yes, I totally, I, I can see that for sure. But also maybe a scientific way because he starts to talk on some things about like human anatomy and science. So he says, I, mm-hmm. um, and when I see you, I really see you upside down. So we know the human eyes actually flip everything upside down. And he does say that like they flip you right around, like they know to flip you right around or something. So we yeah. have that. And um, if you feel discouraged when there's a lack of color here, please don't worry, lover. It's really bursting at the seams. So we also know that this is such a weird concept that I still just like can't, um, that color doesn't really exist. Color is light. So without that light, everything would just be nothing. Mm-hmm. It'd just be like mass, like shapes and mass. They're like the colors that we see, it's all light. Yeah. That is a fucked up concept. Super. And it's kind of like, and this song, I, I felt like maybe he is saying that like when you're, and that kind of makes sense. You know, when people are depressed, they say like the color just like drains from the world. Yeah. Um, and maybe that you have this kind of like emotional control over like the vibrancy. Um, but it's also the scientific thing. Then you have this, this emotional thread through it that um, it's like when someone is so sad and they're gone, like sometimes you just have to let them leave. Like you can kind mm-hmm. of try to get them to see the color, but like if they can't, they just can't. Yeah, that's a good point. And there's a line in the song that's this is fact, not fiction for the first time in years. And mm-hmm. there's that realization there yeah. of like, this is what it is, or it's not going to get better. And you know, we aren't meant to be together and you're not getting any better and I'm not getting any better. And this is just like, this is it, you know, like I'm, I'm cutting the ties and this is the first time that I feel like I'm actually being truthful Yeah. in years. I wrote down the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) I pulled that line to it. And like, when I heard it, I literally just went like, ah, like Mm -hmm. just like a big, like, but like yeah. you just you can't even run from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's also a really great. It's a really great feeling for both individuals to be able to like let go. Yeah, and not hold on. It's freeing, and I kind it's of see that. It's a release. Yep, and I kind of see that line as as symbolizing that. I think it's a good closer. It's a really good closer. It's, it's just walking away and being like, okay, on to something new. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is a little bit of an optimistic um, like feeling about the music mm-hmm. that I think you're absolutely right. And um, like, I just feel like this, this album is just like a really big statement on the fact that like life doesn't stop and it just keeps moving and like, mm-hmm you know, you said it, like, you just kind of like, you, you do float. Like sometimes you float along and sometimes you push yourself along and sometimes you pretend everything is really good when you put yourself along, but it's, yeah, like you, you keep going. Yeah. It's definitely like, just like a moment 
of time in your life. Like that's what I think this album is. It's like a moment of your a moment of your life. It's not yeah. the best moment, but it's one of the most important ones because there's lessons and if you yeah. look at it chronologically, is this a year in someone's life? Like I think so. The new year and this and the way it just loops back to the new year. Like I think there's some like they absolutely did that on purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially where I I think there's a lot of play in these songs to make you feel like you're in a certain season. Like you said, yeah. the other song feeling like it was June and Passenger Seat to me definitely feels summer and like mm-hmm. transatlanticism feels like spring. Yeah, like, like a wet spring. Yeah, A wet spring, yep. And like, yeah, I think that you're totally right. Yeah, because title and registration does feel like a really like cold January, February. Yep. So I see exactly where you're going with this. See, that's where I'm interested. I need to, I would love to know like, ah, it's fun to interpret what you think someone might be trying to convey through an album, but I also would want to sit down and be like, this is what I thought. Yeah. Is that what you were trying to do? The beauty of that's the beauty of doing this, right? Is of creating your own interpretation and putting that question out there. But there's just these pieces that are so intentional that I'm like, we have to be right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. This was a good one. This was a lot. (laughs) A lot. It was. It, I, I, the, the perfect like, episode for the audio to be to be better to discuss these topics. I know. Yeah, thank you guys so, for like dealing with this so far. We got it finally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already excited to see what you picked for next because like we keep doing this thing where we just pick these albums that just like go so well together, and I, I just think it's so funny. I know it is funny. I'm I'm like nervous. That like that won't always be the case. <laughs> and it probably won't. We'll break yeah. the cycle eventually. But like, I mean, this is a this is just like a testament of like how well we know each other, how aligned our thought process is at this point. I mean, we literally grew up together and have gone through so many phases of life and development that like it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Even though we're not like the exact same person. I think our fundamental like thinking and especially since we're both very like emotionally connected people, Mm -hmm. like, of course, those are so similar. So it's just funny that they keep pairing like the time, the timing of our choices line up. So I'm enjoying that. Okay, good. Me too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What did you pick for me? Okay. So you're going to be listening to Sweet Shivers by The Rocket Summer. Oh, okay. The newest one. It came out last year. Okay. I'm very excited. I do enjoy this band. We've seen them together multiple times. So, mm-hmm. so I'm excited. Talk about that. Yep. Yeah. But I've definitely never, I've never listened to an album all the way through, um, but I'm familiar with a lot of, a lot of their songs. So. I'm really excited about that. Nice. Thank you. Um, right, I, <laughs> I'm i giving you Free Love by Sylvanesso. And that oh. is her third album, 
that was released okay. September 25th, 2020. So very, very recently. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. There were, I think I saw a lot of the marketing for this. Yes. There were a couple of songs that were released prior to the album coming out, mm-hmm. um, just as like teasers. Um, but once the whole thing came out, it's literally, I can't, I listen to this album every week, every week. I can't, it's so good. I haven't had time to look at like lyrics. There's tons of music videos I haven't even looked at because I was like, I have to pick this as my next one. Okay. So I'm really excited. Um, and I think you'll, I think you'll really, really like it. Um, and I know that you like heard from them is good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, um, Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn, and they are husband and wife. Oh, I wondered. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's super cute. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you'll really enjoy this. I think I will too. I'm excited to finally like have the time that I have to like sit down and really explore them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. Oh, there's so much I could say already, but we'll save it for the next episode. <laughs> I know. I'm pumped. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, first, thank you for um, hanging in with our sound problems. Yes. Um, you know, we've really enjoyed doing this project and um, it's cool that, you know, we're learning about music and how to interpret it, but that we're also learning about audio and tech setup and all of that. So Um, you know, we're getting there, (laughs) but, uh, thanks for listening to let's talk records. Music and editing is done by Emily McLeod and artwork and graphics are done by Jen Evans. Follow us on social media at let's talk records. And if you want to talk records, send us an email at let's talk records at gmail.com. the beauty of that's the beauty of doing this right is of creating your own interpretation and putting that question out there but there's just these pieces that are so intentional that I'm like we have to be right yeah (laughs) like this I like I I can't help but feel didn't put this in for us to find Mm -hmm. yeah I agree which is I, another form of art, which is really cool, you know? Yeah, that is true. I agree with that. Yeah. Ooh, this was a good one. This was a lot, <laughs> a lot. It was, it, I, I the, just the perfect like, episode for the audio to be, to be better, to discuss these I topics. Know. Yeah. Thank you guys so, for like dealing with this so far. We got it finally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we just like I'm already excited to see what you picked for next because like we keep doing this thing where we just pick these albums that just like go so well together and I, I just know. think it's so funny. I know, it is funny. I'm I'm like nervous. 
that like that won't always be the case. <laughs> and it probably won't. We'll break yeah. the cycle eventually. But like, <clears throat> I mean, this is a this is just like a testament of like how well we know each other, how aligned our thought process is at this point. I mean, we literally grew up together and have gone through so many phases of life and development that like it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Even though we're not like the exact same person. I think our fundamental like thinking and especially since we're both very like emotionally connected people, Mm -hmm. like, of course, those are so similar. So it's just funny that they keep pairing like the time, the timing of our choices line up. So I'm enjoying that. Okay, good. Me too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What did you pick for me? Okay. So you're going to be listening to Sweet Shivers by The Rocket Summer. Oh, okay. The newest one. It came out last year. Okay. I'm very excited. I do enjoy this band. We've seen them together multiple times. So, mm-hmm. so I'm excited. Talk about that. Yep. Yeah. But I've definitely never, I've never listened to an album all the way through. Um, but I'm familiar with a lot of, a lot of their songs. So. Okay. I'm really excited about that. Nice. Thank you. Um, I, (laughs) I'm giving you free love by Sylvan Esso. And that is her third album that was released September 25th, 2020. So very, very recently. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. There were a lot of the marketing for this. Yes. There were a couple of songs that were released prior to the album coming out Mm -hmm. um just as like teasers um but once the whole thing came out it's literally I can't I listen to this album like every week every week I can't it's so good I haven't had time to look at like lyrics there's tons of music videos I haven't even looked at because I was like I have to pick this as my next one okay so I'm really excited um and I think you'll I think you'll really really like it um and I know well, that what you I've like, heard from them is yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And it's so um, Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn, and they are husband and wife. So, oh, I wondered. Okay. So okay. that's super cute. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you'll really enjoy this. I think I will too. I'm excited to finally like have the time that I have to like sit down and really explore them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Oh, there's so much I could say already, but we'll save it for the next episode. <laughs> I know I'm pumped. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, thank you for, um, first, thank you for, um, hanging in with our sound problems. Yes. Um, you know, we've really enjoyed doing this project and um, it's cool that, you know, we're learning about music and how to interpret it, but that we're also learning about audio and tech setup and all of that. So, um, <laughs> you know, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening to Let's Talk Records. Music and editing is done by Emily McLeod and artwork and graphics are done by Jen Evans. Follow us on social media at Let's Talk Records. And if you want to talk records, send us an email at letstalkrecords at gmail.com. The beauty of, that's the beauty of doing this, right? Is of creating your own interpretation and 
putting that question out there. But there's just these pieces that are so intentional that I'm like, we have to be right. Yeah. <laughs> like this, I like I I can't help but feel didn't put this in for us to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Which is I another form of art, which is really cool, you know. Yeah, that is true. I agree with that. Yeah. Woo! This was a good one. This was a lot. <laughs> a lot. It was. It I, I <laughs> the, the perfect like, episode for the audio to be to be better to discuss these I topics. Know. Yeah. Thank you guys so, for like dealing with this so far. We got it finally. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we just like I'm already excited to see what you picked for next because like we keep doing this thing where we just pick these albums that just like go so well together. And I, I just know. think it's so funny. I know it is funny. I'm, I'm like nervous that like that won't always be the case. <laughs> and it probably won't. We'll break yeah. the cycle eventually. But like, <clears throat> I mean, this is a this is just like a testament of like how well we know each other, how aligned our thought process is at this point. I mean, we literally grew up together and have gone through so many phases of life and development that like, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Even though we're not like the exact same person, I think our fundamental like thinking and especially since we're both very like emotionally connected people, Mm -hmm. like, of course those are so similar. So it's just funny that they keep pairing like the time, the timing of our choices line up. So I'm enjoying that. Okay. Good. Me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did you pick for me? Okay. So you're going to be listening to Sweet Shivers by The Rocket Summer. Oh, okay. The newest one. It came out last year. Okay. I'm very excited. I do enjoy this band. We've seen them together multiple times. So, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to talk about that. Yep. Yeah. But I've definitely never, I've never listened to an album all the way through, um, but I'm familiar with a lot of, a lot of their songs. So, okay. I'm really excited about that. Nice. Thank you. Um, right, you I, <laughs> I'm giving you free love by Sylvanesso. And that oh. is her third album that was released okay. September 25th, 2020. So very, very recently. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. There were I think I saw a lot of the marketing for this. Yes. There were a couple of songs that were released prior to the album coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, just as like teasers. Um, but once the whole thing came out, it's literally, I can't, I listened to this album, like, you know, he's talking, I think he, so this song is really cool because I think he, you know, opens the glove box expecting to find gloves or something and he's looking for something that should be in there but then he finds these pictures of Mm -hmm. you know things that he tried to forget he says and he's like what the fuck's the point of a glove box and then he ends up writing a song about it but it works so Mm -hmm. well because it's got this (laughs) these undertones of anger and sadness and heartbreak um oh yeah just these little sprinklings of of hints of what you know he's going through but he's like taking it out on the glove box which I can relate to so much like I've had moments where I'm like what the fuck is even the point of this shit and you're just like (laughs) 
or you're like up at night and you're like, why is it called a glove box if you don't even put gloves in there? You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the song. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. I do love that he, he has that line that directly references that. But it's like, that's such a, that's such a literary, liter- <laughs> a literary line. Like I could see that being written in like a, um, like a YA young adult, like young 20s adult book of like an inner monologue of what the character is like going through. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. I feel a lot. I feel like that a lot with Ben's lyrics, just that they're so poetically written that they must be, they must be feelings and thoughts that he's having because they're so personal and I feel like they could be in a book I'm reading. So, yeah. Are you still there? Hello? Uh-oh. You're stuck. You're frozen in a really cute um, pose, though. Hold on. Let me, let me take a picture of it. All right, hold on a minute. Oh, you're gone. Hello. Fucking Zoom. <laughs> it's okay. Did you get my picture? Is that you? You were stuck in this like pose and I, I still, oh I kept God. talking. I kept talking and I was like, oh, she's like really holding it. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, she's frozen. Okay. <laughs> Could you hear me when I was talking? You're like, ah, ah. I was just like come on come on come on like I'll just like jump in like whenever it's silent I'll just act like I heard what she said and then like listen to it later <laughs> oh my god damn zoom well I hope you were able to finish your thought I don't even remember what I was saying um okay but it's so, okay um I said this is like so this song reminds me of like an inner monologue and a really good like novel character like the character sitting in their car and they're like, what the fuck is a glove box for? I'm so sad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. And I was saying, I feel like that a lot with Ben's lyrics that I feel that they're so personal that they should be in a book or it would be something I would read in a book, like, and be able to follow along and be like, wow, that was so profoundly written, you know? 
he's really good at inner monologue. Like, yeah. Very, very talented at narrating those thoughts in that way. Yeah. And I feel like as a whole, that's this album. Like it's very much like a. Yeah. Told from his perspective, his perspective, not like a worldly view or, you know, whatever. It's definitely, it's, it's different than the message that you hear in Nothing Is Sound because oh yeah kind of it's taking on a global feeling global meaning with that album and well, if that's this album outside yeah this album this is, is in yeah mm-hmm. inside you're right it is like global versus individual that's a great mm-hmm. way to put it yeah yeah did you watch it's this a good, video the good one um i did yes 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 i did mm-hmm. which okay yeah this one I was I was happy with this this video yes. and I remember seeing it a long 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 time ago. Um, okay. And then I had just never I don't know why but I just really never watched any of Death Cab's music videos and if I did it was just like once and I was like, eh. you know, it was yeah. never it was never their strong suit. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I actually really enjoyed this music video, like revisiting it for this purpose I was like oh that's cool and it kind of gave me an alternate feeling like an alternate mm-hmm. um thought but what did you think so I loved it I agree with you um a very simple story if you look at the narration yep you know it's these two people in a car which I think is a, like such a powerful place for a lot of people yeah um it's nighttime a hundred percent. I will argue with anyone who doesn't think it's not nighttime. <laughs> I think it's definitely, it's like, if it's not nighttime, it, it's, it, it's sunset, but it's not morning. Yeah. It's not midday. It's definitely like, it's at the end of a good day. Like, yeah, it's closing. It's a it's closing a driving song. home. It's like a drive home. Yes. After the yeah. beach or something. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with um, you. Oh, I'm so, so glad like- that you feel that way. <laughs> it's it's just beauty and simplicity yes um so when we were kind of listening I was also doing I was putting together a playlist for someone on my team at work who um just had a baby and I thought it would be fun to kind of get the team together and um get their like really soft songs Mm. because I just kind of like pictured her tired at 3 a.m and like I just need to throw something on, you know, when you're just like kind of sitting in the rocking chair with your kid, um, my guess. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you just like, you can't, you're so tired anymore. You don't want to sing. So you need something else. So this is like, that was my thought. And I put this song on the, on the playlist because I could just imagine her holding her like newborn child, like in the nursery, sitting in a chair, just like her and him just like having this moment. Oh my like God. Pitch dark so beautiful. The world is asleep. Yep. So. Wow. The song kind of like took on for me, which is cool. It's just That's beautiful. Awesome. It's a beautiful song. I, it's, I don't know of any other song that like magically and perfectly captures a moment in time. Yes. And it's, yep. and, and it is just such a simple moment. Like, 
just driving home at night and how do you make a song about that? But he 